Blog Talk Radio. Conversation is area code 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. If you are listening live, you can join the chat room on blogtalkradio.com slash liberal dan. Sign up for your free account and then go to the episode page. Look at the bottom of the page and you'll be able to see the uh, chat room and you can join us in chat there and leave your comments. Or if you happen to have, you know, YouTube, you want to sign into your YouTube account, and you can go to youtube.liberaldan.com or, or youtube.com slash liberaldanradio, go to my live stream there. And we are live, and not only can you hear the Liberal Dan Radio podcast, you can see me in all my glory. So, and of course, uh, we now have another error. So apparently I'm not streaming exactly as YouTube would like, but oh well. So maybe just YouTube is confused because most of what is coming over the uh, over the air is, is static, so it's not seeing much change. I don't know, but it looks like we're doing fine on my phone as I'm watching as well. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, but you can watch us and leave comments in the YouTube chat as well as leaving comments on the Blog Talk Radio chat, and both chat rooms will display on the YouTube video as well. So be careful what you say. Don't do anything. Say anything too embarrassing. You want to embarrass yourself on live YouTube streams. And, of course, it's also saved in a stream, so you could also watch your mistakes if you make said mistakes. <laughs> but if you're listening after the live podcast, you could always leave your comments, questions, concerns, etc. on the show thread at liberaldan.com, facebook.com slash liberaldan, or at liberaldanradio on Twitter. Uh, we have uh, lots of stuff to talk about today, but first, this week's headlines. In political news, Andrew Cuomo has finally announced that he would resign after the allegations of sexual harassment that were made against him by 11 women. His announcement came just days after Liberal Dan Radio called for his resignation. Do I have more pull than I thought? Does the soon-to-be former Governor Cuomo listen to Liberal Dan Radio? Only time will tell. In international news, the Taliban is making gains in Afghanistan now that U.S. troops have left. Conservatives are complaining that Biden should not have approved the troops' pullout. It was just last year that conservatives were applauding Trump wanting to pull out. With conservatives being opposed to birth control and not knowing when to pull out, it's surprising they haven't had more kids. Back stateside, the Senate approved a $1 trillion bipartisan infrastructure bill. Of course, there was also a $3.5 trillion bill coming down any day now, but Republican wannabe Joe Manchin questions the amount of the second bill. I mean, what's $3.5 trillion between friends, right? In COVID news, Rand Paul disclosed that his wife bought stock in a company behind COVID treatments 16 months ago. Way to be on top of those COVID, those are disclosures, Senator. In New Orleans, COVID news, Jazz Fest, which was to be held in October this year instead of April as usual, was canceled yet again. Mayor Cantrell praised the idea for safety of the citizens. Mayor Cantrell has yet to call for schools to close for the safety of the children of the city, 
More on that later. Sturgis was held last weekend, and it looks to have the potential for a rather large super spreader event. I'm imagining this potential ad a few years in the future. Weird dog down here in Liberal Vance Top Proceeding. We got some steals on Harley Davidson's today. Turns out holding Sturgis wasn't that bright of an idea. But while festival goers pass away, we're passing on the savings to you. All our Harleys come freshly sanitized for your riding comfort. And while supplies last, we're throwing in some antibacterial gel and a 12-pack of two-ply, just in case the stores run out again. So come on down to Liberal Band Stopper City and get you a hog today. Liberal Band Stopper City is a fictional establishment, and we don't know what the death toll of Sturgis will be. In science news, an asteroid called Bennu has the chance of hitting Earth sometime in the next 300 years. Don't worry, if we haven't all died from COVID, the refusal to deal with climate change would kill us well before that. And in entertainment news, ScarJo is suing Disney over potentially lost income from the opening of Black Widow, streaming and in theaters simultaneously. But for more on that, go to my other channel, NerdyDan.com. And that was this week's headlines. So if you happen to like uh, my uh, Liberal Dan Chop for City commercial, I do plan on uploading that both to YouTube and to uh, uh, TikTok as well uh, after the show is over. But by listening to Liberal Dan Radio here, you got to hear the ad first. Uh, we got Demonox. Shout out to Demonox, the first Liberal Dan Radio Patreon. Uh, says, I'm on a 70-inch TV right now. For some reason, when I first saw your comment, I thought it said, I am on a 70s TV right now. I'm like, okay, that's weird. But, wow, 70-inch TV. Oh, my. That's a lot of inches. That's a lot of liberal Dan on your screen. Uh, let's see. I'm expecting bringing a boy and usual regs to be all over the comments of today's episode. Yes. Well, we'll see. Bringing a boy has not showed up yet, but hopefully he will join us in the chat um, or one of his other various aliases that he uses. Um, but, yeah, you know, the, I did cover the rent is theft. Uh, topic a while back um you know I, I i still haven't gotten myself to the point where i'm saying specifically that rent is theft but we're going to get more into that later because there's a lot of arguments made by the rent is theft crowd that are very valid and i had a very interesting conversation on twitter with a landlord who was being obviously very apologist a big apologist to the idea of landlords in general and the idea of rent and not wanting to listen to the arguments being made about renting and why it's potentially bad uh, for people. And so we'll see, and we'll get into more of that later, of course. Uh, but COVID issues, if, if you follow, if you, if you, I've been posting, I'm trying to post more and more on the website itself that isn't YouTube content, that isn't Facebook content, that, that's just more documenting evidence that I find specifically, especially in this case, because one of the excuses that the New Orleans, that Louisiana in general and the New Orleans school board in particular is using to justify a full return to school with no virtual option for children to be able to to use or parents to be able to opt into uh, because they are worried about what COVID might do to their children, especially children under 12 who can't be vaccinated for the virus. Um, you know, one of the excuses that they're using to justify this is the fact that we had so-called learning loss. So what is learning loss? Learning loss, they have standardized tests, which are questionable in and of themselves in their ability to correctly ascertain what uh, learning has been done in schools. So there's learning, you know, they, 
you take leap one year, you take leap the next year, how much learning loss has happened will be determined by how schools average uh, on all of these tests. And I guess they could segregate the tests on potentially, you know, those tests that are um, those tests that were taken by people who attended in-person school over the course of the last year and then 2020 or 2019, 2020 school year, plus looking at the scores of the people who were virtual over the 2019, 2020 school year. And uh, I guess you can compare the leap scores of those people and the leap scores of those people and say, oh, well, these people who were in person had much better scores than these people who were not in person. And that actually leads you to a, I have to amend my post on Liberal Dan because I just thought of this. Because, you know, what one thing that I did find when I was looking up this information is I want to know, I wanted to know how many students did not take the LEAP test last year. And if you don't take the LEAP test, the school gets to zero for you. you know, it doesn't hurt the child. The child is not going to be prevented from moving on to the next grade or what have you but it hurts the school's rating. So the school gets brought down with every zero that's taken when a child is opted out of LEAP testing. And I know parents who, uh, who previously uh, to COVID did opt out their children um, of LEAP testing. And, but we were willing, even though we were distance learning, we were assured that there would be distance learning, that students will be separated well apart that there would be proper masking enforced and proper social distancing and all that good stuff. Um, however, uh, when my wife went to go pick up my son, uh, there was, they were all sitting in the cafeteria. They were sitting elbow to elbow. They were, they were children that were maskless. There were children that did not have the masks on properly over their chins or what have you. So because of that, we were very angry. We told the school, look, you have to protect our child. Now, he didn't get sick but they still failed to protect him. They still failed to, failed to do what the guidelines were, what, the, what their responsibility was, and they failed. Uh, so we pulled him out for the last day of testing. We said, nope, you're not getting any grades for him. He's not, his safety is not going to be risked one more day because y'all are irresponsible. So they got a zero for him. So when they got a zero for him, that brings the grades down a little bit. I know other parents who also just said, we're not sending him at all. We're not going to send him. We're not going to send her. We're not going to send our child to go be in a classroom while we're virtual learning. You want to give us a virtual leap option? They claimed a virtual leap option was, was possible. However, I listened to an Urban League of Louisiana Zoom meeting yesterday, and I was listening to them. They actually said that there were virtual options for taking the leap test. And we did not have that option either last year. It had to be all in person. And I'm like, what? I, this is the first I'm hearing that there is a virtual, because we were denied the ability to have a virtual leap test option uh, last year. And we would have taken that option. We would have been fine with it. And maybe the school would have got there. But how many other zeros took place? How much did the overall, quote, learning loss, was the fact, how much of that learning loss was really just zeros from people not having their learning calculated to begin with? Furthermore, another one of the justifications for going back in person was that I guess they compared, according to the superintendent of Louisiana schools at this Zoom meeting that I was able to go to from the Urban League of Louisiana, they compared the people who were in 
the, the, the leap scores of people in school versus the leap tests of people who were distance learning. And look, I'm not going to deny that maybe there was a little bit of a drag there between the people who were doing the leap testing in person versus the people who were in virtual learning and then came in to do the lead testing. There might have been some. I'm just wondering how much of that loss was done because of the zeros from the people who didn't send their kids. And if you're comparing that, if you're comparing the, the tests of the people in school versus the tests of the people who were virtual learning, and now I don't know how big that number was, of the, what percentage of the schools were virtual learning, how much of that was zeros? Now you've got a much smaller number of people, potentially. I mean, was it half? I think it was probably more than half of the people who were in person. I think it was probably less than half of the people that were doing virtual learning. And so now you take all, but you're still having those zeros of the people who are opting out. So, so now all of those zeros, instead of bringing down the, the, the overall total of the test scores, now those zeros are bringing down just those. So it's going to make the discrepancy even bigger, not because of the fact that they really had learning loss, but because of the fact that they did not assess the, those children's learning altogether. And as such, artificially, those scores are lower than what they would have been had perhaps they had been able to have implemented a virtual learning thing. So we got some questions. Um, let's see, this week's hypocritical week forever are Republicans who are about states' rights but are freaking out over California about vaccination. That is not this week's hypocritical week, Demonox, although you, if you would have produced that, I might have aired it as well. Uh, Demonox has produced a uh, hypocrite of the week for me, and it was great because it was on a week that I was really busy and I wasn't expecting it, and he made me too, and it was great. Uh, let's see, Sadie Sins, is there funding incentive of having schools open instead of virtual? That is a very good question, Sadie Sins. I don't know. I, I, all I have right now are hypotheticals in my head. Um, charter schools get money by having butts and seats. So I don't think there is a – but I don't think charter schools differentiated the amount of money. Uh, I don't think there's a difference if, if you had a butt in a seat in a virtual setting versus a butt in a seat in an in-person setting. So I don't think the – the gross funding of those students is any less. So I don't think that in and of itself would be a reason why they would say no virtual. However, notice I said gross. Net, they may make less money into the system net because it is very well possible that distance learning could cost them more money because they have to make sure that there are laptops available they have to make sure that you know but here's the thing it's interesting do they have to make sure the laptops are available yes but now in my older kids school who did go to school today because he's vaccinated and we were going to give it a shot my older school my older kids school today they all got laptops so it's not like they don't have the laptops they have the the laptops available for every child, and every child is going to be, at least in middle school, I don't know if that's the case for all of the grades in his campus, but at least for middle school, at least for his grade, everybody gets a laptop, everybody brings a laptop home, everybody brings it back. So there's no additional expenditure for having to replace or have a laptop, they already have the laptop. So I don't know 
what additional cost above and beyond that, except for maybe more effort, except for maybe having to have uh, more, maybe having to pay a little bit more technology for certain, but they already do, they already have like IXL and other types of testing methodologies. I think they already use them in school and they're also using those technologies in distance learning. So I don't know in my school's particular case why, uh, why they have said, and I don't know if there is that much of a price difference or a cost difference between having somebody in a seat versus having somebody um, in a virtual seat. But it, 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 it's one that makes me have to question, like, why was that option just immediately rejected? Because it, it might, it, it, this, was, this wasn't required on a level, on a school-wide level. I guess the school board allowed the schools to make the decisions for themselves as to whether or not they were going to allow a virtual option. And in April of 2021, uh, the schools decided to not have the, the school itself, the, the uh, International School of Louisiana, which is one of my kid goes to. My school did not opt to have or chose to not opt to have a virtual learning option by choice. Uh, if, the, if they have it, I guess, ready in case the government says, look, you need to go virtual, but they're not doing it. They've chose to do it based off of their knowledge of COVID-19 in April of 2021, which is another one of my big problems because we're stuck on April 2021 thinking. We're stuck there. We're not, we're, we're not in, we're not making decisions based on August 2021. April 2021, Delta variant wasn't a thing. April 2021, you know, we had, you know, it was less dangerous for kids to be in school. Our reason for choosing distance learning was more because my wife is immunocompromised, so we didn't want to have the virus be caught at school and brought home. Now, she's vaccinated, my older kid's vaccinated, but there's not, there's not a lot of evidence on immunocompromised people and how well the vaccine protects them. It probably gives some protection, but it's not necessarily a lot. And it's potentially known that it's not as much as it should be because they're already discussing, but the FDA is already discussing allowing a third a booster shot for people who are immunocompromised. So they're sad. Um, but according to the CDC guidelines, this is another interesting, according to the CDC guidelines, that schools should have a virtual option available for children who are immunocompromised themselves or who live with people who are immunocompromised. So that should be an option already. When I asked if that option was available, I said, what if my wife's doctor said that my, she, would be, she would be benefited by having her kids distance learning for her protection? And the, the response from my, the head of school was, go ask your doctor. I'm like, that's not the question that I asked you. I didn't ask you if she could do it. I was asking if the doctor said that she should have it, should she then be able to get there? Are you, is ISL going to give that virtual option? Now, again, we're ready to pull. I'm very hesitant to use the term pull the trigger when it comes to things pertaining to school, but we are ready to, to drop the hammer and say, look, we're going to pull. Today, we drove up to school, and we had my youngest kid in the car five minutes before drop-off when we just, me and my wife, looked at each other and said, Nope, we're not doing it today. We don't have enough information from the school, so we are going to say not today. We're, we're just like you know, Davos said to that's not Davos. That's the other guy from Game of Thrones. Whatever. 
Let's see. Brian uh, Demax, how much did New Orleans give parents for support compared to other states in terms of parents being able to afford to stay home and teach, being forced to work? There's another good question. That's one of the reasons why I am suggesting that the virtual learning option should be an option. We shouldn't force virtual learning on students at this time. I mean, if it gets so bad that we have to, but we shouldn't force Last year, uh, we weren't forced to do virtual learning from, I mean, there were some points where they said, go, everybody needs to do virtual because it's spiking, but we opted for the 100% distance learning all week long. So it was an option. So that maybe that's one, and that's a, maybe another one of the reasons why in-school transmissions in New Orleans were in as high, because there were enough, there could have been enough people who opted for virtual learning to make social distancing that much easier. And, and in COVID, and you know, one of the things that, you know, you believe the CDC, and I trust the science of the CDC that says proper and consistent masking and social distancing is key to having these kids be able to be in school safely. But if you have a distance learning option, if parents say, look, we're willing to suffer, we're willing for our kids to have to deal with this, distance learning, in order to protect their health. If that was an option that was given, then guess what? Then you've just made it easier to do distance learning I mean, to do in-person learning more socially distanced, in a more socially distanced way. So it seems to only help with social distancing if you had the virtual learning option. But here's another thing. But here's the thing. I don't – I think that the people who are the elected politicians who are – or who are appointed by other elected politicians, like the members of the school board are elected in New Orleans, the superintendent is appointed by the governor. I think these people say, well, our jobs rely on these test scores being high. So they don't want to be able to say, well, test scores dropped while we were in charge. So they're potentially looking at this as being harmful to them and their political careers, which means that they're putting the children's safety in the back seat. Now, they'll give lip service to wanting to be safe. But again, I have no reason to believe that the schools are going to be safe. I mean, earlier today, I was thinking my principal at my older school's job is doing a great job. You know, we, we're getting some good answers from her, and there's good responses. But then her, the, her ability to, to enforce these rules are, is reliant on the ability of the people or the willingness of the people below her to enforce those rules. And when we went to go pick up my child from school, guess what happened? There was a confusion as to which where he should go, so he was waiting in the office that was packed with people and had people unmasked. And again, we were pissed because they failed the child again. They failed our child again because they insisted on doing it this way, and they, and they didn't put their kids waiting to be picked up in a more spread out area like the cafeteria. Where, but even when they were in the cafeteria last year, that still was a problem because they were still sitting elbow to elbow, still unmasked still unsafe. Let's see. With Aminox, uh bet states with more support for the unemployed and stay at home had better scores and scores equate state funding. That's probably a true statement. That is probably a true statement. I don't have all of that information uh, saved up or ready to go for that. So there is that as well. Let's see. Citizens, I can find for Cali where you're not that extra funding was placed towards schools to incentive in-school learning back in 2020 at that. Now, and look, that, that may be a possibility that I think there was some federal government funding that went to all states to try and help 
schools be able to open, to be able to be more socially distant, to be able to give them the ability to do it in a safe way under CDC guidelines. But again, I think that's because, and, that's, and, that's, and that's, I think it's good that there should be federal, federal funding there to help schools be safer. That's great. Problem is, is that we can't live in the world when, when those bills were passed. We have to live in the world when now. We have to live in the world as it exists today. And I have a problem with the idea that, you know, that we, I, I just feel that they're so stubborn. They're so stubbornly holding on to this idea that we have to be back in person. Yes, I will 100% agree that I think my kids would probably do better educationally if they were in an in-person environment. That is probably a true statement, all other things being equal. My kid also won't learn well if my kid's on a ventilator. My kid won't learn well if he has to go to children's hospital. So while it's great that schools got funding to be able to try and make things safer as things were back then, things are different now. I mean, as I made in my fat man rant, I had a fat man rant. If you haven't seen my fat man rant, check out my fat man rant on my YouTube channel. Don't do it now. Just wait or maybe do it on a commercial break. Uh, don't do it now. But my fat man rant was uh, all about the fact that we can't, we have to live in the now. We have to understand how it is now. We have to understand how this, you know, how the virus is affecting children now and how it's spreading and how it's, I mean, there are, there are kids. I've seen pictures of schools, of people in prison. They have a really strict photo policy for my school, my kid's school. But there are other schools that are showing pictures of the kids. And I'm like, that's not social distance. That's not those kids. There's a newscast today showing people. And there was a kid with a nose hanging out. Mass does you no good or does the people around you no good if your nose is uncovered. Because you're just, I mean, you're breathing through your nose. It happens. Let's see. Oh, no, they're messing up so early. It sounds like a fair measurement of how school may continue. Let's see. It's hard to know why they would risk children, just that money tends to be the reason. I agree with you, Sadie Sims, and I try not to be a conspiracy theorist. I mean, that's why in my, in my, in my article that I wrote on liberalband.com, that has the screenshots and the links to the information from the Louisiana Department of Education that shows that they gave the information. They gave the information for um, – 2018-2019 school year of how many kids took the LEAP test and how many kids didn't take the LEAP test as a percentage-wise. That information is available on the website. It's like over 99% took the LEAP test, less than 1% didn't take the LEAP test, less than 1% opted out. Now, I don't know what that less than 1% is. I don't know the raw data. I don't know if that means like 9% or, or 0.9% or if that means like 0.1% or 0.001%. Um, now, even though they don't have the data, now I have a person that I know because I've given my email address out in another meeting that we were in, and I've had people contacting me about all this stuff. Um, and I was also on the news. Uh, they're interviewing me about this. And I, I, they made a, a freedom of information request um, about that missing information. And they got back. They don't have that information. But I know that's a bunch of bunk. How do I know that's a bunch of bucks? Because the Louisiana, at the virtual meeting that I was with, with the Louisiana Urban League, as they were interviewing uh, the, the uh, Louisiana superintendent of schools, the head of the LDOE, um, he said that there was 98% or over 98% of the people 
took the test. He said that less than 2% took the, opted out of the test. Now, what is less than 2%? Is that 1.5? Is that 1.8? I don't know. We don't have that raw data to be able to look at that. We don't have that information. But it says, but if it was 1.8, and let, let's say it was 0.1% of the people who used to opt out, and now it's 1.8, that's an 18,000% jump. If I'm doing my math right. <laughs> it should be right. That's like an 18,000% jump of, of you know, people who didn't take it. So that would bring down the scores, I would think, significantly, especially when you segregate the groups into people who, who took the leap who were in person all year last year and people who took the leap that were doing distance learning last year. So, <laughs> yes, hashtag dick those, Devin Ox. Uh, blah, 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 blah. So we also had the situation, though, to kind of, now, that's kind of the, the update on what's going on with my kids' school. Um, however, there is the also, there's also the situation of the fact that there are, there are Democrats out there who are not being proper when it comes to their activities. And, and I'm not talking about voters who are Democrats. I'm talking about, and I really wish Bringing It Boy was in the chat, either on Blog Talk Radio or on YouTube, because he'd probably tickle Pete. Tickled pink or whatever you want to say. He'd probably be happy that I'm about to do this hypocrite of the week because, well, let's just go ahead and play it. This week's hypocrite of the week is Barack Obama and all other Democratic Party politicians who tell others to act right during the pandemic, but then who don't act right themselves. That sort of behavior makes it that much more difficult to convince the naysayers that they should also be acting right. Do as I say, not as I do. That makes you a hypocrite, too. To see who next week's Hypocrite of the Week will be, tune in to Liberal Band Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan. There you go. So, look, I, I love Barack Obama. I mean, I'm not going to marry him. I'm like, if you love him so much, why don't you marry him? <laughs> no. But, you know, I, I thought he was a good president. Uh, I, don't disagree, I don't agree with everything that he did, but, you know, Clearly better than a lot of the other options we've had recently. Um, I like I like Barack Obama. I I like other politicians that that have been shown doing things that are irresponsible, and it's difficult for me to be able to say you know when I'm advocating for people to mask and socially distance. They look at Barack Obama and they're like, well, why didn't he mask and social distance? You see him dancing at a party. Don't have parties. Don't have large or medium sized. That supposedly was scaled back. The picture that I didn't see wasn't very scaled back to me. And, you know, Barack Obama is not an elected official, but he was president of the United States, and he does choose to remain active politically advocating for things. And he has advocated for people to act right during the pandemic. So, if, again, I, I put on Twitter last, I think it was yesterday or maybe it was the day before, that I'm liberal, Dan. I'm not party hack, Dan. I'm not somebody who's going to sit here and make excuses for you because you have a D behind your name. If you're doing things that you shouldn't be doing during the pandemic, especially, you know, I'm going to call you out on it. And if you're doing things that you shouldn't be doing during the pandemic, you know, while telling other people that they should be behaving during the pandemic, I'm going to call you out even harder. Now, does, does that mean that I'm 50 out of 52 weeks? I'm not. Am I going to still have conservatives as hypocrites of the week? Absolutely. Because that's like shooting fish in a barrel. But 
so was this one because he was not acting responsibly. Um, <laughs> I really need a, a, when I'm doing hypocrite of the week, I, Brian or Devonox sipping water during hypocrite of the week. I need to mean that. Yes. I, sh- I should just, you know, have a tea instead, have a cup of tea and be like, <sighs> while I'm, um, you know, drinking my tea, uh, discussing, uh, the, uh, hypocrite of the week or the other issues that are coming up. Okay. Oh, I'm really getting, I'm getting to the first commercial break really late. So let's go ahead and take the first commercial break. We can come back. If you want to call in, it's 914-803-4131, 914-803-4131, or you can join us in the chat either on blogtalkradio.com slash liberal Dan or on youtube.com slash liberal Dan radio. Come to a live stream. This is liberal Dan radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out BudgetEars.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But BudgetEars is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out BudgetEars.com or go to YouTube.com slash BudgetEars and help make your trip the best it can be. BudgetEars.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. In a world gone mad, one progressive will do a bad movie trailer guy impression to get you to listen to his show. There's only one thing that I like better than the liberal band radio minicast. All right, Bill, that's enough of that. On the Liberal Dan Radio minicast, you will hear an honest discussion of the day's issues with some personal bits in between. You might even hear what the other side has to say, sometimes even in their own voices. So become one of the Liberal Dan family, because family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. To hear those bad impressions and more, tune into the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. Talk from the left, that's right. And I think to myself, what a wonderful show, mmm, yeah. If you enjoy Liberal Dan Radio, there's many ways that you can support the show. You can subscribe to the YouTube channel, you can like me on Facebook or follow me on Twitter or TikTok, and you can become a Liberal Dan Patreon. For as little as $3 a month, you can get a shout-out. Higher levels get the opportunity to vote on what I do next on the podcast, the minicast, or on YouTube. You can even buy commercial advertising or sponsor bits. So go to patreon.liberaldan.com and support the show today. Hey there, podcast listeners. This is Deminox, host of The World According to Knox. It's time for Season 2, where I take you on another trip through my world. The world of movies, video games, pop culture, and more. Relate them to the world around you. Don't forget to leave a question for Marscat and find me on Twitter by the handle xdeminox. Letter X like X-Men, D-E-M-I-N-O-X. Now enjoy the rest of your podcast.
And welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left. That's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's area code 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. Again, if you're listening during the live broadcast, you can either join us in the chat room on YouTube, youtube.com slash Liberal Dan Radio, or you can catch us on uh blogtalkradio.com slash liberal band go to the episode page sign in for your free blog talk radio account and be able to leave your comments there that comment section has been rather uh, quiet because everybody's on the youtube one which i think i like better i think it's, i think i like that better i like i like the fact that blog talk radio gives me the options to have like my soundboard and stuff like that and it's also i can have it all organized or mostly organized but i also like the fact that you know, I, I like I like the YouTube chat a little better than the Blog Talk Radio one. So that's just I don't like the fact that I could save it on YouTube as well as being on Blog Talk Radio. And you know, people have multiple options and ways to listen to Liberal Dan Radio, Talk to the Left. That's right. Um, do want to give shouts out to uh, um, the host of the Most Nimbus Yosh with the Percy Podcast. You could listen to the hopefully he'll uh, he's back from Denver, so hopefully soon you'll hear another episode of the Smooth Sounds of the Percy Podcast coming up soon. Also, um, I might maybe want to give him a surprise soon because he needs a website and I have web space available. Uh, it probably would be cheaper for him to do it via my web space, so I might want to extend that offer to him as well, since you know it's all part of our forming up of Ultron and. Uh, Demonox, uh, that also offer applies to you. If we could set that up as well, I think we could be able to make that happen. Um, anyway, so there's that. Um, yes, it is awesome here, Citizen. Uh, who is that awesome? That awesome sounding guy was uh, Demonox. <laughs> the world according to Knox. Uh, do want to also give shout out to your boy Chris and my friend Cesar as well, who are also Liberal Dan Radio patrons. If you want to support the show, a little as three bucks a month, or you could just make a one-time contribution. Both links are on the episode page, either, um, you know, the Liberal Dan Radio Patreon, patreon.liberaldan.com, or patreon.com slash liberaldan, or you can go to the Buy Me a Cider link as well. That's on liberaldan.com as well for a one-time payment. But the best thing that you can do if you haven't done so yet uh, to help the channel grow, to help uh, the podcast grow, is to subscribe to all the my social media pages. You can do that for free. Uh, Liberal Dan uh, on Facebook, or at Liberal Dan Radio on Twitch, TikTok, not, not Twitch, on TikTok, Twitter, uh, YouTube as well. And subscribe to the YouTube channel is the best thing because if I can get to 1,000 subscribers, I get monetized on YouTube. And that would be awesome. Uh, there's other things you have to do as well, but still, that would be awesome. Um, anyway, so let's, let's go. We're, we're still not yet to the rent theft idea, but first thing, because first things I want to do is I want to play – I was very productive this week because I also have eight words of redneck wisdom. So without further ado. And now, words of redneck wisdom brought to you by Liberal Dan Radio. The reason why we continue to have our freedoms and liberties erode in front of our very eyes is because we have too many politicians in political office instead of people who are truly there to represent what's best for Americans, regardless of political party. And the biggest difference between our military leaders in this administration 
versus the Trump administration is while the military, quote, leaders in this administration are trying uh, to worry about figuring out their white rage and their wokeness, our enemies are figuring out how to destroy America, period. Do you think that, that China's military leaders, Iran's military leaders, Russia's military leaders are trying to figure out and worry about the diversity of their army. It is pathetic. And on the local level and the state levels, with all of these mass mandates and everything, we have too many politicians that care more about filling their coffers with cash than the people that they represent. And it's only going to be up to us the people who need to rise up and revolt because it's the only way things are going to get done. And this concludes Words of Redneck Wisdom, brought to you by Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. I mean, if you know that that piece by Mozart, you'll know that I edited it a little bit. I'm sorry. That might have given you a little bit of a shock there uh, because it was changed a little bit. However, um, the thing that I'm, uh, you know, I, at the beginning, I was like, okay, I can agree with that point in general that, you know, you, you have too many politicians, not enough real people representing the people. And, you know, that was a generally decent idea. So they had us in the first half, I guess. But then it just started getting worse and worse and worse to the point where he said rise up and revolt now what do you think somebody means when they say rise up and revolt i mean clearly many of the people who are trump supporters are revolting but that's not what he was talking about rising up and revolt to me implies violence and the host didn't say afterwards didn't say Oh, maybe maybe we shouldn't be using violence. The host was like, "I agree." I'm like, "Really now?" I mean, he's had other people who have made the same kind of comments about, you know, he has this one guy called Josh Bernstein who is horrible, and he talks about, uh, he's like, and then if this if 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 us doing this, you know, he's he's like supports the Arizona audit or whatever. It's like if the Arizona audit doesn't work out, we have other options. And I think you know what I mean. Wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Like, we know what you mean. You're, you're, you're saying that you should do violence. And he's not, he didn't deny it when I called him on it on the show one of the previous weeks. But it's just, they're clearly supporting violence. And I called, I called him out. I was like, look, you said specifically that you were going, that, that you agreed with this caller's point that, we needed to quote, or they needed to, because we, I'm not part of the we, uh, that they need to rise up and revolt. And unlike most words of redneck wisdom, I also bring the response. As far as uh, our caller earlier saying rising up and revolting, you can have a uh, peaceful um, protest. You can rise up peacefully. I'm not talking about violence. Never once mentioned violence. Don't uh, associate me with violence. Never in my entire career have I called for violence. Of course not talking about violence. And then- 
Now, see, I forgot to do one thing. I'm mad at myself because I wanted to find the Allen Iverson. We're talking about practice. I mean, we're talking about practice. That's practice. I mean, he talked. He was saying violence just as much as we're talking about violence. Um, but and while peaceful revolt is possible amongst certain groups, as Demonox points out, I, I don't believe that this group of people are capable of a peaceful revolt, that these people are not going to sit there uh, in their underwear or naked in their beds going, all we are saying is give peace a chance. They're not going to be like, you know, doing a hunger strike somewhere. They're not going to be, they're not going to be just marching down the street uh, peacefully. They're going to be, marching down the street wearing Nazi paraphernalia, screaming out blood and soil and the Jews will not replace us and all the other anti-Semitic garbage that they put out on top of the racist garbage that they put out. And we all know that. Let's see. Um, It's fine, Sadie Sims. We can always go back to old topics. It's fine. Um, But, but it's, you know, we had, and and then these people who say we want to revolt, we want to rise up and revolt. They'll wear, January 6th Civil War shirts on their shirts when they go to Washington on January 6th. These shirts, you know, it's not like they made those shirts on the fly while they were there. They ordered these shirts. They had these shirts made. I'm sure Demonox could tell us all about the process of making a shirt. Um, you know, I've made a shirt myself like a one-off with, an, with a print-on, iron-on type thing, but it wasn't very good-looking. <laughs> but it is what it is. Wait, well, no, wait, that's Trump's, that's Trump's job. Hold on, let me, it's, it's further down because my thing's all screwed up. Wait, here we go. Wait, wait. It is what it is. Thank you. Um, oh, um, yeah, like, they, they, they will talk about rising up and revolting, and we need to, what's the one that they use? They like to use one of the, one of the founders uh, will say, um, the tree of liberty must be watered with the blood of tyranny or something to that effect, if I don't have it exactly right. Um, so they'll say all these words, but then when you dare suggest that the January 6th event was an insurrection or a revolt or some other sort of non-peaceful action, they're all like, yes, you can't possibly say that this was, these were tourists. These were tourists that were in town. They weren't revolting. Well, they are revolting. I'm going to beat that revolting horse, dead horse, into the ground uh, because, you know, I love History of the World Part 1. Sir, the peasants are revolting. They stink on ice. Oh, wait. Wait. Hold up. Stop the press. In the blog talk radio chat, bringing it, boy, who missed the hip, did you miss the hypocrite of the week bringing a boy? I, I want to know. Did you miss the hypocrite of the week, or did you hear and you're just coming into the chat too late? I want to see. I want to see what the response is. You know, let's see. Let's go back to the while, while we're waiting for bringing a boy to respond. Let's go to Sadia. It's weird. So it looks like the biggest opposition to returning to in schools are the teachers' unions. Something New Orleans has. So why is the union border? Well, here's the thing, Sadia. 
you missed wait yes that's yes you missed the hypocrite of the week just i just want to confirm that yes means you missed hypocrite of the week okay here's the thing there are teachers unions but i don't know how many teachers in new orleans are members of teachers unions because new orleans is 100 percent charter new orleans went insanely and in ridiculously stupidly has a 100% charter school model. So I don't know, and a lot of these teachers that teach for a lot of these schools are Teach for America folks. So I don't know that how many of the New Orleans uh, charter schools are unionized. So while, te- yes, there is some teachers unions who are opposed to, let's see, wait, some of the biggest opposition to returning in school, I'm, I'm sorry, I read it wrong. So the opposition to returning in school are the teachers' union. So maybe that's why we're returning in school, because we don't have the teachers' union, because we don't have that. We have charter schools, and the charter schools probably want returning in schools. But here's the, here's the kicker. Here's the thing. Oh, bringing a boy, you missed it. Oh, it's so sad that you missed it, bringing a boy. I might have to replay it at the end, towards the end of the show. Uh, maybe. Or maybe I'll just make you listen to it again, listen to the re- replay or whatever, because it's a sad, sad that you missed it. Um, but the my point is, though, is that if you don't have the teachers unions, because we have 100% charter schools, and you have the charter schools who are advocating for in-person learning because it's cheaper for them, because you have individual boards who all have to justify individual, they all have to do their own individual books, and they have to pay the people who need to get paid, because, you know, that's, you could make money as a charter school. You, you, you know, I'm sure the person who is the head of school of all three campuses of, of, of the school that my kids are enrolled in, I'm sure she makes a pretty penny. I'm sure that's part of her job. And so instead of having all one school board where all of the schools have to answer to, you have all these little boards. And if they fail, so what, right? You just replace it with another one because that's the way the model's supposed to go. Failing schools go get pushed off to the wayside. New school comes in and takes the place with a new principals, a new new whatever, and probably the same old teachers who just lost their jobs at the old place. Well, I'm not a fan of 100% charter. Ranted on that before. I'll rant on that again. Um, so here's a, here's, a, uh, here's a hint, bringing a boy. Uh, the hypocrite of the week this week was not a conservative. Dun, dun, dun. And it wasn't Cuomo either. Dun, dun, dun. Let's see. Wow, everyone there is a charter school that could explain things. That is a big experiment on the future of education. Yep. And look, it, it, I, I went to a magnet school when I was in Baltimore for high school. And that's fine. You know, it, um, although the magnet school is still part of the school system and it's still a public school, it wasn't a specific charter. Like, it wasn't a separate thing. It's still, I'm sure the principal still answered to the, answered to the, uh, the school board of, of Baltimore City. Um, However, yeah, it's a hundred percent charter. And in the words of uh, the uh, lieutenant, or to paraphrase the words of the lieutenant, played by Robert Downey Jr. in *Tropic Thunder*, never go full charter. Never go full charter. Not one bit. Not a good idea to go full charter. So there's that. Um, so yeah, it's it's with the whole again with this whole words of redneck redneck was a bit. Tons of examples that I've heard where people are just talking about these conservatives are talking about we want to we want to take all of these actions and they imply that they would take violence, but 
when they do do violence, it's like when they do do violence. Uh, he said do do. Uh, when they do the violence that that they said that they were going to do. Oh no, it wasn't violent. Not us. We didn't do that. We we're not we're not that bad people. And you know, look into who killed one of our terrorists because that's the important thing. Right. Okay. Sure. Anyway, let's go ahead and take the second commercial break, and we'll come back. Again, take your calls, and we'll actually get to the topic of conversation, which is whether or not rent is theft, or whether or not, you know, there needs to be a massive overhaul of how we handle housing in the United States of America. Little Dan Radio, on the left, that's right. Greetings. This is Nimbus Josh, host of the Percy Podcast. What is the Percy Podcast? <laughs> well, it's pretty much the smoothest talking host you'll ever hear in your life talking about all kinds of things. Political things, nerdy things, fun things, not so fun things. Go ahead, give a listen, and follow at the Percy Podcast for more updates and information. Why not sit back and take a listen to one of the best podcasts You'll ever hear, and no one else will. <laughs> Catch you on the tune. Do you want to set money aside for a rainy day? Do you want to open an account that will give you a savings bonus each month? What if I told you that you can get both and have a chance to win $10 million? Yada is an FDIC-insured bank, and when you go to yada.liberaldan.com, open an account, and make your first deposit you will get 100 entries into the next weekly drawing. You will also get entries each week you have a balance. So go to yada.liberaldan.com. That's Y-O-T-T-A dot liberaldan.com. This is Amber Petrovich, a.k.a. Just Capital, talking investing and finance in the Just Capital Minute. Finn refined the brokerage Robinhood, a record $70 million for, among other things, lapses in customer service. This brings up an important issue. Which brokerage should you use and how do you choose one? There are several things to think about when you're choosing or switching to a brokerage. The first one is fractional share trading. Some brokerages that offer fractional or partial shares are Schwab, Robinhood, Fidelity, and Interactive Brokers. The second thing to consider is what the brokerage's interest rate is for trading on margin, i.e. borrowing from your broker. The higher your account balance, the lower interest rate you will typically pay to trade with margin. The average rate is about 5%. The third thing to consider is research. How much market information, including news, technical, and fundamental data, do you want? Do you want interactivity in your charts? Do you want a social experience? Then Webull may be the one for you. This has been the Just Capital Minute. Build wealth and fight the wealth gap. Welcome back to Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana, to join the conversation. 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. Just because I feel like it, I think I want to play my mock ad from that I predicted in my headlines that would exist three weeks into the future because of the Sturgis rally. I just want to play that again 
just because I had fun making it. It'll be up on YouTube later, but I had fun making it, so I want to play it again. Weird dog down here in Liberal Vance Chopper City. We got some steals on Harley Davidson's today. Turns out holding Sturgis wasn't that bright of an idea. But while festival goers pass away, we're passing on the savings to you. All our Harleys come freshly sanitized for your riding comfort. And while supplies last, we're throwing in some antibacterial gel and a 12-pack of two-ply, just in case the stores run out again. So come on down to Liberal Dance Chopper City and get you a hog today. Liberal Dance Chopper City is a fictional establishment, and we don't know what the death toll of Sturgis will be. <laughs> anyway, so I had fun making that. Um, and oddly enough, when I looked up banjo songs on YouTube to find some free songs to use, uh, the name of that song literally is COVID Come Not Near. So I feel, how could you get any more perfect for a song mocking the the lack of social distancing and the plague-bringing event that Sturgis might very well have been uh, without – how perfect is that to have a song in the background that's literally called COVID Come Not Near by Nat Keefe and Hot Buttered Rub. So, yeah, that – Give them, even though I'm not, I don't have to give them attribution because that's the way those videos work on or those sounds work on YouTube. Might as well do it anyway because it was just way too perfect. Um, during the break, uh, Devinox was uh, talking about he went yosh, and so I was like, damn, which maybe was like, who is the man who makes all the podcasts that he can? Yosh, damn right. Anyway, and then he was like, don't bring me down. Yosh. <laughs> we have to find all sorts of songs where we could just shove Yosh into to be able to make a Yosh album of some sort. Let's see. Deminox, in 2018, approximately 65% of all homeless people or 336 individuals were sheltered in some capacity, while the remaining 194,467 homeless people were unsheltered, according to NAEH. As of October 2019, this number stands at 17 million. That's roughly 3.1 million more than the meme suggests. The last time the number of vacant homes was uh, was 13.9 million. So there's so the number of stands of homes. I'm guessing this is the number. The 17 million number, Demonox, is the number of available homes that are not are vacant currently in the United States. So, again, the point of that is that we have a situation where um, we have 17 million open homes with of the 358,000. So there's 400, just under 400,000 homeless people in this country and 350 uh, or 358, whatever, 17 million for that 17 million homes are just vacant. And I, I don't know if that's homes that you've shared, Demonox, or if that's places to dwell. Um, I don't know if that's places to, like, does that count, like, apartments? Does that account condos? Does that, is that, is that, uh, does a house count if, if, if it's a duplex? Is like, a, like, if it's not a single-family home but a duplex, does that count as one home or two? I, I don't know. Uh, but, you know, that, that, that's good information that's there. Um, that we, that is, will be vital to be having this thing. And we're getting bonus Liberal Day and Radio, folks, because we are ending the first hour, but we're still going to fly on through and tackle the subject of whether or not rent is theft. Because I had, let's see, Tinker Tots 47 on Twitter is the person with whom I had the conversation with. And I've told him that I was likely going to be discussing this, this, this 
topic on the episode, and he wanted to debate me. Um, I did give him the link maybe an hour before the show, but I, you can know when my show is, I said, Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Central. I'd be more than happy to have this conversation with you about whether or not rent is theft. So, um, and this guy is a landlord, and there was a lot of debate over my individual situation, and in the grand scheme of things, my individual situation uh, was not relevant simply because of the fact that um, you know, yeah, I was able to do certain things because of my particular situations, but I was basically making the argument that a, it's cheaper to buy than the rent if you're able to do certain things. B, it's expensive to be poor. So, what does that mean? It's expensive to be poor. Well, you know, if I'm gonna, I looked at, you know, where I was renting. I was renting a moderate-sized one-bedroom apartment before we moved into this house. I think the rent at that point was like 800 bucks, And the amount that I financed was um, a certain amount, you know, because we were able to put some down. But if we weren't able to put that much down, we probably would have financed a smaller house. Simple as that, right? I mean, it makes sense. So I could put some down to be able to get a bigger size house because I could figure out what my payment would be and I would be able to avoid PMI because PMI is another example of poverty being expensive and being poor or being lower middle class is expensive because if, if you don't put enough down towards your house in this system that we live in, it costs you more money because you have to then pay additional PMI on top of what you're paying for your mortgage, which is ridiculous. So there's that. Um, so, so but he, this guy was stuck on the fact that, yeah, I was able to put 20% down on my house. So I was able to finance X. I financed X amount of money of a house. And I was able to, and, and I, I, I was able to buy a house that was slightly bigger than that amount, that amount, simply because of the fact that I was able to put that money down. But had I not been able to put that money down, I probably would have financed a smaller amount, a smaller house, so my bill would have, would have roughly been about the same. I would have had to get a smaller place. But at the time, you know, maybe, you know, my rent was like maybe 800 bucks or whatever for a one bedroom. Um, now I have a larger house with more bedrooms, but we were planning on, you know, we would have kids eventually. So we wanted to make sure to plan so that we would have space available for the children when we had a house to have children in. And so we went ahead and got a larger size house. Um, the place, the cost to rent a one bedroom at that same apartment building now is like somewhere between 1200 bucks and 1700 bucks. I don't know why the difference is such a big disparity. Maybe it's more expensive to be on the first level and I was on the first level. The mortgage portion of my of my mortgage payment excluding the escrow is only like 500 bucks. Now I'm sure that the 1700 bucks that I would pay in my apartment does go for insurance and other things like that. Uh, for, for at least insurance for the property, so that the property gets damaged, that I'm paying I'm paying their share of their insurance costs. So you know, but still, that then gets to like eleven and property taxes as well. That then gets to eleven hundred for me a month to pay in my mortgage, uh, homeowners insurance, escrow, tax, extra, etc. That's for, but that's comparing it to a one-bedroom apartment. A two-bedroom apartment is like twenty-four hundred bucks. There, it literally costs me more than double what my currently pay for my house if I wanted to rent a two-bedroom. And I have four bedrooms in my house. 
my house is probably still at least twice as big, if not bigger, than the, what I would be getting if I was renting at that place. I don't have to necessarily rent at that place, but my point is that if you're renting, you're paying much more. And he was trying to make excuses about how, oh, but people who rent, you know, they if they they might be able to take a job across the country. Um, they might be able to go and, and if they're in a house, they're stuck in the house. But if they're gonna if they're renting, they could just at you know, leave their lease at the end of the lease and go move and take a job across the country and do that. But the type of people that could do that are not the type of people who are complaining that rent is theft. So there's that. The type of people who could do that are, you know, people who probably could afford to do either and are, and are, and are paying a premium for the ability to be, to move around. The vast majority of the people for whom rent is you know taking advantage of them and keeping them in poverty are people who are not mobile around the country who are not looking for a new job in california or in new york or trying to find the next big you know opportunity for them to to be able to you know these are people who are probably working you know in restaurants doing working fast food working retail working blue collar jobs working jobs that are you know that are you know, lower pay. And so these people are not necessarily going to be able to be able to save up the money to be able to do any sort of big move. These people are going to be working, are probably going to stay where they are. They're not, they're unlike, unless a big event happens like a Hurricane Katrina, like a lot of people left New Orleans and never came back because of Hurricane Katrina. And We'll get to Hurricane. Well, we should get to Hurricane Katrina in this, this conversation. I didn't get to Hurricane Katrina on that conversation on Twitter. But in Hurricane Katrina, a lot of people left, and a lot of people's homes they just left their homes because you had a situation where the people who lived in those homes they were underwater, not just literally underwater, but financially underwater as well, because they had their the amount of their I guess their loans were more or even it wasn't even the loans they owned the homes they owned the homes outright but the amount to fix the property was more than what the property was assessed at so they had to then because so our system of the road home system was broken so they just gave up their properties they said nope we're not gonna we're not gonna do anything we're just gonna leave we're gonna stay in houston sell our house for maybe, you know, a little bit and just we'll sell it to a developer. And then all these people start developing these older houses and start making them fancier, making them nice and start gentrifying neighborhoods and either turning those houses into higher cost rentals or turning them into Airbnb. What does that do? Now you're bringing the price of the property values up in that neighborhood and you're sitting and I, I, I'm guilty of this myself. A long time ago, people were saying about oh, property values are going up. And I'm like, great. That sounds awesome, right? I mean, I, I, you know, personally, my personal property, where I'm at, now I'm not in a gentrified area, um, but it, it behooves me to have my property value go up. You want that. But if property values are going up in impoverished areas, those people then no longer are able to keep up with the property taxes or whatever. And then, it maybe behooves them to maybe sell where they're living and because it's getting too expensive to live there. And then what happens? Those people likely have to move further away from their jobs, which makes their cost of living even more 
unaffordable. Or because these people who are now who have now upgraded these homes, upgraded these, these landlords that have now upgraded these homes costs, they are upgrading these, you know, to because the houses are upgraded and are nicer, now they can charge more rent. So now the people who were living there can no longer live there. So they're pricing the people out of their homes. So now it's, and it's even more money. And, and again, you know, so what are you paying as a renter? If, if, I, if I buy a house, if I, if I decide I'm going to be a landlord and speculate and buy a house, uh, and I'm going to say, okay, well, I'm going to fix this house up, and now I'm going to rent it out to people. Okay, so what happens? So I need to pay my mortgage if I finance it. Let's say I finance that house. I need to finance the house, and I need to pay the mortgage note on it. Okay. I need to pay my property insurance on it. So if something happens to the structure, I can get it fixed. Okay. I need to be able to be able to raise enough money to not just pay for the insurance, but to pay for the deductibles and any costs that aren't covered by insurance. Okay. I need to be able to pay for property taxes. Okay. So all of those things on top of the, the price, the, the rent, you know, to actually what would be the mortgage payments, my renter is paying for me. So that's money that the renter is not able to save up. And then on top of all that, if I'm a landlord, I'm not doing it out of the niceness of my heart. I'm not just creating a house and creating a rental opportunity and be like, oh, yes, you can live there and I'm not going to profit for it. I mean, I guess technically, if I wanted to, I could say, okay, well, I'm just going to charge you enough money for maintenance and upkeep, whatever. And, and, and we're going to, we're not going to, I'm going to make a, I'm not going to make a single dime off of this property, except for the fact that if, it, if I one day feel like I can sell it, maybe it'll appreciate. And then I could flip the property at that point and make money while you're, while you are helping me pay my bills. Still, you're, you're, you're more money than what you potentially have to pay, or you're, you're paying me to up, up, update your house. You're paying me to update the house you live in. You're paying me all these things that you could be paying yourselves if you weren't charged that much rent. Let's see. So, buh, 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 buh. It is extra expensive to be poor. We're not living off loans like the rich. Sadie sins. Absolutely. Uh, that is 100% true. Um, that is also something that was brought up uh, by uh, just uh, Amber Rose Petrovich with the uh, – just just capital minutes. She has, I think, a TikTok video on that where it basically says, you know, people are bending over backwards to to uh, have to, to lend these rich people money. So these rich people just live off loans, and so they don't they don't have income. These so they, they get paid in stocks, and those stock payments don't are assessed at the moment. They're only assessed when they cash out. So they're able to take advantage of all these loopholes. So it you know. The rich get to take advantage of these systems that are made for the rich. Meanwhile, the poor have to live in the systems that are made to disenfranchise the poor and to keep the poor down. Let's see. Rent shouldn't be three-quarters of your income. Rent shouldn't be a massive cash cow. You shouldn't be getting rich off of exploiting the poor. That aspect of rent is theft. Fair enough. Um, but there's the, and there's the other thing to consider is that there's, I'm not against the idea of Section 8 because – in the system, the way it is currently set up, there are people who are impoverished, who are in disenfranchised and, and, and in cultures that just, you know, they just can't afford to live where, where they would normally want to live. So I have no problem in the system as it is. 
as well, I have problems with the system as it is, but I have no problem that while we're living within the system as it currently exists of helping out people to be able to afford to live because putting a roof over your head should be considered a right, not a privilege. But what does Section 8 end up then doing? The demand by these people for house, for housing without Section 8 might be like anywhere from zero to 100 or 200 bucks. They might pay a portion of their rent, but they don't pay the whole thing. The Section 8 comes in and pays the rest. So the actual demand of for this house might be zero, might be 100 bucks a month, might be 200 bucks a month. So by having Section 8 payments, kind of filling out the rest of those payments, you are then by default making it more expensive to live in that area. So the people who are not on Section 8 now, now must also pay that amount of money that Section 8 is covering. And there's, and, and there's not, and because government funding systems are flawed, because they don't, you know, there's, there's, there's plenty of examples where we can show in a government funding system uh, that, uh, you know, there are places where you can make a dollar more and lose a whole bunch more than a dollar. You make a dollar more income, you use a, lose a lot more money. This is why conservatives often will say well, there's, they're disincentivized from working. Now, generally, you know, I kind of guffaw that, that argument simply because of the fact that, you know, if I'm on like unemployment or whatever, and I know I could make enough, much more money doing the job that I do during my full-time job, then I'm not going to sit on unemployment as long as possible. I'm going to want to get back up and do my work. But there are a group of people for whom the system is not created properly for who might not want to take an extra hour of work because that extra hour of work might cost them hundreds of dollars a month or thousands of dollars a month maybe in help. And why would you do that? That's stupid to do that. Let's see. Bringing a boy has a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, let's see. I have known people. Bringing a boy says, I know people who moved here to California. They last maybe three years and they have to go back. But they can't handle because they handle how expensive it is here. Uh, there are from areas. Uh, there are areas of the U.S. that are charter schooled. People who live for lower warfare. I don't understand what that means, uh, because the government dispatched them all over the U.S. and they could have. Been, uh, I don't, again, don't know. Being poor is a privilege, not a right. What? Be- being poor is is not a privilege at all. Being poor is 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 you know there there are you know you had the monopoly. You had what was called a poverty tax, I believe, where you pay poor taxes, fifteen bucks. So you just had to, you know, you had to give, just pay, pay money for being poor, but that's true. It is more expensive to be poor. Your rich people have the ability to potentially, you know, maybe, maybe a richer person might have connections to get things more cheaply. Maybe a rich person, you know, again, if I had to rent the house that I'm currently living in, I am sure that the rent that I would be paying is more than double the mortgage payment that I'm making. So it is more expensive. And now the person who was arguing with me on Twitter was like, yeah, but you have to pay for things when they break. Yes, I do. I know I do. I've had to deal with that very recently. But because I'm not paying 2400 a month, I'm only paying less than 1200 a month for my mortgage. That's $1,000 a month that I could potentially save to pay for stuff. But also because I have the credit to do so, I have enough credit cards out there. So where if something is an emergency and happens and I have to be able to pay for something with a credit card, I can do it because I have plenty of open credit. So again, I am better off as I am right now 
You know, it, it is cheaper for me. And again, I don't have to pay PMI on my loans because I've put up enough money. There's there's enough escrow in my house where there's I don't have to put that PMI. It is cheaper for me to if I was going to rent to, to mortgage this house, it's cheaper for me to mortgage this house than it is for somebody else to mortgage this house because I was able to put up that money. Let's see. Massachusetts has so much rental assistance money available that it's set to expire because they made it too hard to apply and admitted that they're accidentally rejected qualified people in fear that a small number of people might get assistance that shouldn't. And that's what another big thing that, that, that you know, there are people who are going to slip through the cracks, clearly. It's like the conservatives that are obsessed with the people who collect um, food stamps who also do drugs. Like they're oh you shouldn't be able to get food stamps if you do drugs you 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 should have to pass a drug test well apparently they did pass a drug test or they did do a drug test and the amount of people I guess who they kicked off of the rolls I think in Florida was it or the amount of people that they found uh, doing drugs who were on on food stamps was less of a percentage than the people who do drugs in a normal population and there was so few people who did uh, do drugs on food stamps that it basically cost more money to do the test than the money saved by kicking people off the programs who were on drugs. Literally, it's cutting off their nose to spite their faces. They literally want to basically say, okay, we're gonna, we don't have a problem with spending a whole a bunch of money as long as we punish people for doing activities that we don't agree with. That's another problem. So that's and that's a problem with with you know this thing as well. I mean, Massachusetts. You must say, oh, well, Massachusetts is liberal. I mean, they do have a Republican governor, if I'm recalling that correctly. But the people have these ideas that oh, we need to we need to catch this little bit of fraud that's going on. But if it costs a million dollars to catch fifty bucks in fraud, then it's not worth going after that fraud. It's ridiculous. But conservatives also, to change the subject completely for a very, very small second, conservatives also don't have a problem with disenfranchising hundreds of thousands of voters, three illegal votes. So there's that as well. Um, it's the same for disability. You're punished for making money while pushed out of the system because you can't physically sustain the pace of work that isn't regulated properly. You feel trapped. Rich people have better access to drugs solely based on income. Yeah, rich people can get a doctor to prescribe them oxy. Poor people struggle because they, they can't afford it or you have this, this quixotic fight to try and fight opioids in this country um, while punishing people who legitimately need to take opioids because they're literally allergic to the other drugs that are out there. They can't take these drugs, so they have to take those drugs. So that's part of the problem with with those those programs but it's, it's disability you're, you're if you're on disability you're punished for getting married because your spouse's income now counts against you so let's see in florida i believe the people who own the testing equipment related to the politicians no i, I think that's even being generous Demodox. I, I think in florida that the governor was invested in the company i think the governor maybe even owned the company that was doing the testing so there was a little bit of not even quid pro quo, it was absolute corruption that was taking place. Because again, they wanted to, they, the government, Republicans have no problem with uh, shaking the couch that is government and collecting all the loose change that falls. They have no problem doing that whatsoever. 
Let's see, the banks benefit the rich too. They get free checking and bank transaction for a certain maintenance. See, there you go, bringing it, boy. Bringing it, boy. There you go. The banks benefit the rich. They get free checking and get a certain amount of money in their account. There you go. It's an example of how it is. It is more expensive to be poor than it is to be rich. People who don't maintain money in their bank account are charged for everything. But yes. There you go. Bringing a boy has giving a good example of why it is more expensive to be poor than it is to be rich. It's, it's one of the, it's one of the poor taxes. It's messed up. Yes, it's messed up. We have a breakthrough. I don't think we completely have a breakthrough, but I, but but we agree. I, I think Demodox agrees would agree too. Sadie Sins would probably agree too. But that is an excellent point. I'm you've made me happy. In, in a week that's been utter crap because I'm so stressed dealing with the decisions that have to be made on my kids' schooling. You've managed to give me a ray of sunshine that we found a common ground. Just for that. Just for that. Bringing it, boy, I will play you now the Hypocrite of the Week. Just for, just for making me happy. I will replay Hypocrite of the Week right now. This week's Hypocrite of the Week is Barack Obama and all other Democratic Party politicians who tell others to act right during the pandemic, but then who don't act right themselves. That sort of behavior makes it that much more difficult to convince the naysayers that they should also be acting right. Do as I say, not as I do. That makes you a hypocrite, too. To see who next week's Hypocrite of the Week will be, tune in to Liberal Band Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan. I forgot to sip my tea or my water whilst doing it again this time like I did last time. But, um, yeah, so there you go. Barack Obama, hypocrite of the week. So I'm sure you appreciated that one, even though you might not agree with my reasoning. But I did label, I did name somebody uh, liberal. Um, I would say on the left, but when I say on the left, I'm meaning on the left, left of center (laughs) or to the left of the conservatives. Simply because the fact when I say that he's on the left to some people, they'd be like, he's not a leftist. Like, okay, I understand he's not a leftist. I understand that. Because there's lots of nitpicking amongst people who are leftists on who is really on the left and who is not really on the left. And Demonox might be one of those people. I'm sure he is. Uh, that's fine. I mean, I, I'm also a progressive person. I'm just a pragmatic progressive on, on things. I'm willing to accept certain things, you know, and because I'm fine with incrementalism on certain things, you know, not necessarily on climate change, things as, as we wait, things need to go. But anyway, um, but, you know, there's the point of, of, of so, so the guy was like, give me an example. He was like, what happens in the system that we exist in? I was like, Obama is leftish. Okay. Uh, in the system as we exist today, the person asked me the question. That I was debating this rent is theft uh, is rent theft on Twitter. Um, the person with whom I was having the conversation brought up a college student. So if you're a college student, you don't have a job. You have you have, you have no job opportunities as of yet. You, you you don't necessarily have the ability to go, or at least a full time job. But maybe you have a part time job. Maybe you have a temporary job, or, or you do you maybe you picked up a joint as a waiter in a fast food restaurant, just waiting to go find, you know, get your resumes out and be able to do that. Where do you, how do you live just as a, as, as a newly graduated uh, professional 
out there in the world trying to make it. Are you going to be able to buy a house? Well, no, you're not going to be able to buy a house. Then obviously you have to rent. Yes, you do. In In the way that the system is set up currently, you would have to rent. Why? Because that's how the system is currently. Like, I'm not, I'm not, and I'm not going to, I understand the, the arguments of the people that are telling landlords, get a job, just get a real job or whatever. I, I understand the people that are making that because it's based on, on they believe that the system should be different and, and they're going to begrudge the people who are, um, they're, they're going to hate the player and the game uh, because, and, and, and a lot of times I will say, don't hate the player, hate the game. Don't, Hey, you know, you don't necessarily be angry at the fact that you have somebody who's a landlord simply because of the fact that, um, you know, he's being a landlord because that's how the system works. Of course, there are examples of, that are exceptions to that rule. And I knew you were going to bring up your grandfather, Devin. I was about to mention your grandfather. I was about to mention your grandfather. Um, there, there are people who do play the game, who helps, who helps perpetuate the game in and of itself. They will fight to keep the game the way that it is. And so at that point, maybe you can hate the player. I'm not going to uh, – so my grandfather was a great landlord and maintained the property, free upgrades because he was retired and bored. Anecdotal evidence means every landlord therefore is saints. Let's ignore every slumlord I've ever had. Anecdotal proves my point, yes. Exactly. You know, I've had – some horrible landlords over the course of the time that I've lived there. I, the apartments that I lived in, they charged me a, a repair fee on damage that was done to the carpet done by their own people who were working on the apartments while we were living there. Um, and then sent me to collection. Then uh, I had another landlord who claimed that the dog stained the carpet. The reason that the carpet was stained was because the apartment was really a bottom half of a house and it was enclosed. Basically, they took a, a carport and enclosed it and made it into additional dwelling area. And if it rained too hard, water would come in the house and it stained the carpet. And because the water stained the carpet, uh, it was their fault, but they tried to put it on me and they wouldn't give me the money back. So that's another example of a terrible, crappy landlord. So a lot of people hate landlords for what they do and stealing deposits and um, ex- charging exorbitant pet rent, charging exorbitant costs, you know, for, you know, oh, we have to come up with first and last one's rent and a deposit and there's a non-refundable part of the deposit and this part deposit and that deposit and this deposit and blah, 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 blah. And, you know, oh, water's included, but we're probably going to charge you more for the water than you would pay for it yourself. Um, oh, and then there's these other, oh, this is electricity excluded, but again, we're probably going to charge you more than what you would pay for it itself. Oh, and then whatever. So there's that. Um, but again, going, rolling back to the, to the, to the guy fresh out of college, what would that person do? What would the fresh out of college guy do when it comes to, uh, when it comes to getting, he would have to rent, but maybe the system needs to change. Let's see. Zeddy's three dogs. Do you have a deposit in first and last one? Just move in. <laughs> so, I mean, that, I, I didn't. I wasn't talking. I didn't even see that comment before I made my comment about uh, the first and last month and the security deposit. I, I didn't even see your comments, Zeddy's three dogs. Uh, I, I completely missed. Like, like we, we were just on the same wavelength apparently because that was over here and I wasn't even reading it. So brilliant minds think alike, I suppose. Um, so, yeah, it, it, 
you have to be able to put up all that stuff, and then there's no guarantee that you're going to get your money back, especially if you, if something happens and you have to leave your lease early or whatever. I mean, if you have to, you know, abandon your house, there's that problem too. But you could also, your house also has equity. You could probably figure out how to sell your house unless the market went to boo. Um, but again, you're you're still paying. You're paying everything. Like everyone says, well, the landlord pays for all of this stuff that you don't have to pay for. That's bull. You're paying for it because you're renting the property. You as the renter are paying all of those costs and the profit. Everything else, everything that you pay, is everything that is very unlikely. The only thing that you're not going to pay for is if there was like damage that was covered by insurance. You're not paying the you're not paying the about the insurance company pays. Is that? Let's see. Seven ox. Uh, we had a landlord who said in the summer sometimes small beetles get in the house. He was covering up that they always got bed bugs. It was it destroyed so much of it. Lovely. That's nice. Ew. Um, but yeah. Land, there, you could go and you could find many, many examples of skeevy landlords. I'm sure it'd be like, oh, but I'm, I'm different. I'm a different type of landlord. I'm not going to take advantage of my people. I love the people that rent from me. I'm a good landlord and I never take advantage of them or abuse them or whatever. You know, and, and maybe, you know, just maybe. Like, I could see potentially, like, you know, people who live in a duplex. Like, if you buy a duplex and you live in one side and then you rent the other half and use the other half of rent to be able to help pay for, you know, you know your mortgage costs or whatever, and that, fine. Okay, okay. I'm not going to begrudge you for doing that. I'm not going to say you're a terrible person because you chose to do that. Again, because this is the system that we live in. But, you know, and, but I'm saying that potentially the system change and the person's like, well, do you have any ideas? I'm like, no, I'm not an expert on housing development. I'm not a, I'm not a, that's not my field of expertise. I'm a software developer. I, I can understand where problems exist and also understand that I don't have the knowledge or wherewithal to come up with the ideas to fix those problems. And it's other people's jobs, it's other people's expertise, other people study those topics to be able to come up with a better solution that would ex- to, to exist. I mean, there are some examples of, you know, Maybe people like forming like housing co-ops to be able to form together to be able to live, you know, in these houses or whatever. Not, not, I'm not saying like necessarily like a timeshare or whatever, but like you know, everybody pays in what they can afford to pay in. Everybody helps pay towards the uh, um, if, if repairs have to be done, everybody chips in a little more the next month to be able to do it. And and you, you by pooling your money together, maybe it then becomes cheaper for you all to do it. And maybe, you know, maybe there are, you know examples where you know renting is no problem if it's like for the people who are you know doing those things like oh well i need to live here but i have a job that moves me around every couple of months so i have to be able to rent um military folks who don't live on base probably need to rent places you know the there are exceptions to the rule there are always exceptions to the rule the exception doesn't disprove the rule sometimes people say the exceptions will prove the rule um, but you know, if somebody is poor, somebody is working class, somebody is, you know, the working poor, if they're trying to elevate their status, it is hard to do so if they're not living in a house that was like inherited by somebody. If they, if they're, they're not living in a, in a house that their family owned, 
then they're probably renting, and then they're paying more money to help pay the other person's bills than they are paying themselves. So if so, if we provided, we could provide like homesteading, for example, was was an idea way back when, where people were just being, hey, you have this land, go work it, go work this land, and you know maybe we should take some examples from homesteading and, and you know bringing boy says dan if you own your land you don't own the land it sits on and that's true you have to pay taxes on the land it sits on and government can also come in and say one day say hey we want to uh buy this property from you and you're going to have to fight to get fair market value from it and that's a whole other issue um but you know we have that's another thing that hasn't come into the conversation is that that needs to come into the conversation is the whole supply and demand issue as well where so you have these 17 million houses that are vacant or I don't know if it's houses or apartments or properties or 17 million places where people can live that are vacant that are being held onto so the by the banks or whomever so these people are sitting on their supply they're artificially restricting the supply of the goods by artificially restricting the supply you artificially raise the price of the good. If all of those places all of a sudden became available, the housing market would come down. The rental market would come down. People would be able to pay the, the price to rent or mortgage or to, to rent or to finance a house for mortgage would be so much cheaper because all these things would be made available. If if you had all these homeless people and you granted them a house and said, you know, you just have to upkeep the house, get a job, upkeep the house make it your own, whatever. And then, and then when that happens, if that were to happen, you know, or, or, you know, maybe people who were renting, who were trying to, who are working, who were trying to get out of poverty, you know, maybe they are able to get, get them into some of those houses as well. Maybe help them fix it up. If they're blighted, there are lots of blighted property. I don't know if the $17 million, 17 million empty home figure includes blighted homes or not, but maybe help them, improve blighted homes, maybe use that to give people work. Maybe say, hey, you're going to get a job to improve these blighted homes, and then what maybe is part of the advantage is you get to keep one of these blighted homes as part of your job, and you'll get to continue doing this work now that you have a home, and now that you have a home, you don't have to worry about paying rent all the damn time, so now you can start saving up money and being able to put money aside and be able to improve your life. Maybe you could afford then to maybe get a better education, learn a new skill, get some new tools, do whatever it is that you need to do to be able to, you know, live in this economy and be, and be more prosperous in this economy than you were when you were paying 50% of your rent plus to rent to, to somebody else's as your landlord. Um, and at that point, the house is in your family, so then you can pass that house on to the next generation unless you signed up for some sort of reverse mortgage idea, which I always, always sounds scammy. I, I don't want to talk about reverse mortgages now, but reverse mortgages to me always sound scammy. Maybe they're not but they just seem scammy. They seem like they're trying to get money away from old people. Um, Cause that's, you know, I don't trust businesses. I, I trust that you know, I trust them very little. Um, but yeah, so then you have the thousand, then you get to pass it on to your sons and daughters and your children, pass it on to your grandchildren. They go to the grandchildren and you, you start helping to create generational wealth uh, that was no longer, it was not available to them when they were having to put, you know, 50% plus of their income into a rental property. Let's see. 
Let's see, Brian, if, if it wouldn't be poor, then it wouldn't be spending. I wouldn't be poor if I wasn't spending 1200 a month plus all utilities to a landlord. Uh, California's think of it. It makes it difficult for developers to build affordable housing. It takes 10 years just to get cleared to break ground. Uh, devs in California don't want to make affordable housing. They want to make cheap, profitable housing. Exactly. Although that's really devs anywhere. Um, can't, cities are because originally the Silicon Valley, no corporatism. I call them fake progressives in California, talk the talk, don't walk the walk. Corporatism is a result of end-stage capitalism. That's just catching it all up on the conversation between Zeddy and Zeddy Street Dogs and uh, Devin Ox. Um, but yeah, so good conversation in chat. I mean, there, there are, the, the system is always going to try and help the system re, be, retain the system. And there are people who you know, who will argue for progressive things or supposedly progressive things, and then they will end up doing hypocritical things. This is why sometimes those people end up being hypocrites of the week uh, instead of the typical conservatives um, who are. Um, but yeah, so, so going back around to, to, to the guy who just left college, I keep forgetting the guy that just graduated college. who doesn't have a job yet. What does he do? So what does he do? Um, does he move back with his parents? Or do they work back? Do they move back with their parents? I don't know. Uh, do they, uh, um, do they find an apartment? Do they have to find an apartment? Sure. But if they find an apartment, um, they might be stuck in that apartment, you know, for a year, you know, Maybe that maybe they get an apartment and then the place that they find is, you know, the, the job that they find is somewhere in another city. Then they have to either break their lease or maybe they found a month-to-month apartment. But the month-to-month apartments are typically going to be even more expensive than the yearly apartments because the people who are offering the month-to-month apartments are are going to want to get a premium for a month-to-month apartment from the start. Or else, you know, because they, that they're accepting the risk, I guess, of, of not having a rent when the person decides to move out. Um, the corporation is the only possible evolution of capitalism, but it is an evolution, uh, according to Demodox. Yeah, I mean, um, capitalism is, you know, pure capitalism is never a good idea, uh, simply because of the fact that I, I believe that if in order for be for pure capitalism to be effective you need pure um purely empathetic people otherwise you're going to steamroll over people i think pure socialism is also not a good idea because you're going to you need pure because you don't have purely altruistic people empathy was the wrong one you need purely altruistic people to be able to run a purely socialistic society again because then you wind up having the same thing people just getting run over advantage of the system and then you end up creating some classes, you know, changes in classes and not, and not having the equity there that you might want to have. So I'm always, you know, support hybrid systems, but things that are things that are, should be, should be considered rights are not necessarily things that should be profited off of. And that's, I guess, one big point And one of the big problems with landlords is that landlords are trying to profit off of something that should be considered a right. But again, we're going to go back and ignore the the, the other conference because another point that I was bringing up was um, the fact that you know let, let's go back to the topic of the you know you have all those 17 million properties that could be given to a homeless person but are not because they want to you know artificially restrict the supply. Well, if you are a landlord and you are renting out multiple properties, you yourself are hoarding some of the supply. 
like you you are you are taking something that's a necessity for other people to have and you are saying that the only way that you can have this thing is you need to pay me for the thing so you are telling people that you know this is the, this if this thing is right then you have to come through me to get the right which makes because you have to come through me to get for that right it now makes that right more expensive that's why one of the reasons i think that you have um one of the one of the one of the reasons you know water you know should it be why you should have a right to food which is why i support food stamp programs for people who can't afford uh to buy food for themselves there should be food stamps available uh i support you know you know not necessarily that water has to be free in and of itself but i don't believe in privatizing uh corporate uh you know having corporations running those things because those things should be available electricity at some point even if it's not you know, there's some level of electricity that maybe should be considered that should be subsidized at least, at the very least. But I also don't necessarily think that, um, you know, maybe there's issues that I have with power systems. Like that, you know, I used to argue, I used, I used to argue that um, the power grid companies or the, or the electricity companies shouldn't control the power grids. The power grid should be state-run entities uh, that the private companies sell their goods on. Um, however, Texas went to go and show us that that is an utter fuster clock and that maybe that's not necessarily the best of ideas because Texas has showed us that Texas has no ability to run that grid like it should. Then again, energy shows every time there's a storm, there's a light breeze and I lose power. I have to worry that my food in my fridge is going to go bad. Why? Because, you know, they're not going to get power back on and don't, and you know, slight like somebody sneezes in my backyard and the power goes out. Let's see, Sadie Sins, the charter schools you're struggling with are, are full capitalism, not needing to compete with an epithetic socialized education. Absolutely. That's 100% positively true. It, it, it's, you're trying, it's a conservative dream of trying to, you know, not the idea behind charter schools is through competition, you get good results for your students. That, that's, that's the idealistic I live in a world of unicorns and, and, and other sorts of fanciful creatures uh, that, and that, that, the, that the free market is going to magically produce, you know, these things. But no, now you have little private boards who are going to want to get paid. So that's money that they're going to want to get. And so they're going to want to put butts in seats. There was a, there was a charter school here in New Orleans that advertised itself as being an A rating for, for attracting new students. We're attracting the most students. We're an A rating on that. And that was true. They were a D rating when it came to the education that they gave, but they advertised themselves as an A rated school. Why? Because they were using that rate, the rating that they got for a particular metric, but not for the most important metric. So it was very misleading because they want to get butts and seats. You know, to me, you'd think the idea of a charter school would be, oh, we're going to create a fun, interesting idea for a charter school, and we're going to, we're going to get some good people there. We're going to make work, and that's the ideal. But then you also have like these things like KIPP. KIPP is a charter school. It's like they control like 12 of the schools in the city. So KIPP is going to try and funnel as much money as KIPP can to their board members and their executives to the detriment of the kids in those schools. And as long as they're not failing the least, they're going to, you know, if, if they're following, well, I guess, what the, 
whoever came up with the with the bottom ten percent thing where I just heard the name the other day and I forgot it. But like the person always fires the bottom ten percent of their companies or whatever. I want to say it was GE that did that. The bottom that fires the bottom ten percent of their companies. That's their big idea on how to create people, how to create rats that are scurrying to the top of the rat race is to is to make sure that the people from the bottom are getting into cuts. So. Um, which doesn't necessarily happen a lot, but a lot of places you cut the people with the most expensive salaries and make do with the people who are making the cheapo salaries. That also happens at other companies. But where was I going? Anyway, so yeah, so as long as you're not on that cutting, the cutting block of the schools that are getting absolutely yeeted out of the system, you, you're, you're going to continue making your money and, and pull with fun. Because that's the, the stated ideal of the charter schools is school choice is wonderful for kids. You get to choose from a various variety of programs and, and you get to, you know, champagne wishes and caviar dreams of your education. But in reality, it's just the idea that they want to have a great, they want to be able to make a school board and get as much money out of it as possible, much money out of a little, little board as possible. And if they wind up educating kids, great. But if, you know, maybe they last the next year, but if, but if they can funnel out all the money out of the thing and they fail then they fail, but they still made their money. It's like robber barons, except it's charter schools. <clears throat> Let's see. True, pro, pure, true, pure socialism would be the world of Star Trek, but the evolution of the human psyche prevents us from getting that. Um, yes, I do want to live in post. That's, that's the thing. In Star Trek, you have a, you're in a post-scarcity society. <laughs> Bringing boys is one word, anarchy. Water is overrated. I mean, the, the owner of Nestle did say that water is not a right. Come on. Um, but yes, yeah, Star Trek. We are in Star Trek. You have a post-scarcity society because you can just make the food you want out of the replicator. You can just go, bloop, give me a tea, Earl Grey, hot. Bloop, there's my tea, Earl Grey, hot. Give me a glass of water. Oop, there's a glass of water. <sighs> Refreshing. You can say, I want a steak. Boom. There you go. You have a steak, and everybody in the ship has a room. Everybody has a room to live in. Everybody has. You know, you want to live in that room? Fine. If you choose, like in Picard, to live off the grid or live in a in a broken down shuttlecraft, well, you can do that too. But you can have your access to your room as well, and you have and your room is you have your technology that keeps the room clean, and you can you know take your sonic showers so you're not wasting water. You 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 you've solved the pollution problems and all that good stuff. Because we are in a, you're in a post-scarcity society, so you don't necessarily have to profit everything. Of course, there are people who do run other ventures, and you can profit, and you do can get some money. And you know, there's some contradictory things there in Star Trek, like you know, Picard in First Contact says that we've done away with the concept of money, except you go to Deep Space Nine and you have quarks, and you have the Hollow Suites and the Dabo Girls, and you play Dabo, and you have the bar, and you have to pay, you know, you, you know, you pay Quark and you're Gold press platinum, and I'm showing the world how much of a nerd I am. But that's, that's some of the you know contradictions in in the Star Trek universe. But again, you're still living in a, in a society where it's post scarcity. So those things that are not necessities can still cost money, but nobody has to struggle to get the necessities of life, unless you're choosing to do so. Uh, blah, 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 blah. Sadie says, we have a real estate owner destroying downtown area because they refuse to rent any of the buildings. It's crippling the local economy there. You can imagine. That would be terrible. You know, again, they're, they're, hoarding, they're hoarding the property simply to make sure that, I guess, they could drive up the prices. Um, 
What could go wrong with privatized water? Flint, what's that? Well, it was Flint wasn't necessarily privatized water. Flint, I believe the problem was the government. Um, that that was the issue of they voted in Michigan to be able to to be able to choose uh, a, a government, I guess, take over a city if they view a city as failing. That taken that person who took over the city decided, oh, it's going to be a good idea to do this thing with our water instead, without doing any studies on it, and then by bringing in the the particular type of water that they brought in because of the composition of that type of water, it got all the lead off the pipes and everybody got sick. And people in Flint are still drinking, still have tainted water, and it hasn't been fixed yet. So, and if that's not, and that, that should be part of infrastructure that gets fixed, but nobody wants to say it's going to take a billion dollars to fix the water. It'll take a trillion dollars to fix the clean water. And conservatives will be like, well, can we really afford that? What's, why is that even a question? Fix the water issues. No question. Fix the water. There should be no opposition to fixing Flint's water, especially because it's a, it's, it's a creation that the Republicans did. The Republicans don't want to admit or, or even agree to fix the problems that they create. That's always the Democrats' job, to fix the Republican problems that they created, and then they have to come in. Oh, the Democrats are spending so much money. They're wasteful. Well, they're, they're having to spend all that money because y'all messed up. Blah, blah, blah. Did bringing a boy just reference idiocracy? I don't think he necessarily purposely referenced uh, idiocracy. Um, he might have did. Um, he didn't say Brando. He did talk about Brando because Brando is what plants crave, right? Um, true capitalism is a free market that works to lift out of property without government invasion. Since when has government ran any programs officially? But, but there's a question there. Capitalism is, is, capitalism is, in order for capitalism to be good for individuals, you need competition. It's the competition that potentially is good for the individual people. It's, Capitalism, though, you end up with, you end up potentially with monopolies, and the monopolies are not good for the individual, especially on items that are necessities. Because if they can create a monopoly on a necessity, then they could charge the money, then the price, the elasticity of demand, uh, the prices are inelastic. You raise the prices, the demand doesn't change the same because you need those things. That's part of the problems with with it's it's, it's, it's the free market. That's the good idea. It's the competition that comes with a pure free market that's free of capitalism. Lots of small businesses competing with each other to try and get fine, but eventually somebody tries to be Pac-Man and eat up. And I'm not I'm not trying to make Pac-Man the bad guy, but somebody tries to Pac-Man up all the con, all the all the people that they're going up against. They become a bigger and bigger company, and then with more power, um, you know, power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Uh, on the other side, with great power, I shouldn't say with great power comes great responsibility because that's how Uncle Ben dies all the time. And but you know, none of my kids are Spider-Man, so I don't think that I know of. So I'm probably safe saying it. Again, more nerds, more nerd stuff. Uh, let's see, Demonox, the free market should only exist long enough to bring a country to the point that we have to the tech to support everyone. Um, the U.S. United States Postal Service until they started crippling it in the 90s and destroyed it in the 2000s. Um, yeah, the Postal Service is a good example of a, of, of a working uh, efficiently model um, that was crippled by the Republicans who in the in 2000s tried to basically said put a requirement on the post office that they need to 
uh, fund like 70 years of unfunded liabilities in order for them to be, you know, active. So that they've, they've put a requirement on the post office that is on no other entity in existence in this country. None. Nobody else has to fund 70 years of unfunded liabilities or whatever the amount is. I might be wrong on 70, although 70 is the number that came to my head. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Highways until they defunded it. Government systems work best with regulations of the building. Sadie Sins, LOL, fly that nerd flag. <laughs> um, see, hashtag or quote, cancel culture is the invisible hand of the free market sticking up a finger. Um, AKA how to freak out a libertarian, LOL. Um, the government and business need a mor- morality of the populace to regulate. Star Wars, it's awesome. Nerd flag. I wasn't even talking Star Wars. I was talking Star Trek. Or, you know, if you want to, you know, people will ask me if I like Star Wars or Star Trek. I'll say, like, yes, but what about Battlestar Galactica and Stargate and Firefly um, and various other shows that I like watching? Um, Flint was a business executive that got voted. I don't think he got voted. I think he was selected. Um, Trek, not Wars, but you're hopped up on pain meds. I'll let that fly. You make Cork cry. <laughs> You don't want to make Cork cry. Come on. What would Rom think? Anyway, trying really hard to, to, to do my – I used to actually have a week of, of Your Week in Geek. I used to have a Your Week in Geek uh, ever segment long ago on the podcast, back when I had a sponsor. <laughs> I had – you know, they actually – you know, it was, it was nice. I had two sponsors way long time ago, and that went away. That went the way of the dodo. Um, anyway, that's – we're getting into the silly now. Um, but, yeah, so yeah, what, what does – I guess does anybody – you know, I, I can't answer the question. I'm not an expert on what would the newly graduated uh, person do in the workforce trying to find a place to live. Again, I don't know. I don't have that answer. But I can say that we have a problem without necessarily having a solution in my back pocket. I wish I had the solution in my back pocket. I would propose it, and maybe I would propose it, and I'd run for office, and maybe I'd win – based on this grandiose idea that people might really want to take advantage of that I've now brought up to the system. Will that happen? Probably not. But um, it is what it is. Oh, wait, wait. Sorry, that, that's not my job. Let's, let's scroll down. to. I need to move this further up so I can have Donald say it more often. It is what it is. Thank you, Donald. Um, so I wound up saying it sometimes on my uh, – on my uh, other, when I do live streams over on Twitch for nerdydan.com, it'll be like, it is what it is, and then, but I don't have the button to say the Trump is what it is. So, uh, masks didn't stop anyone from shopping. That's like saying pants stop people from what? Oh, <laughs> I didn't see that bringing a boy. You brought up the mask. Thanks for the mask. No more small business. That's not true. There are small. I supported a small business. I supported several small businesses all during the pandemic. I made sure that even though I, some of my money was spent in big box stores because you know Costco was, was a, a nice, safe place to be able to go indoors, lots of ventilation, lots of aeration. Many people, if not all of them, were were not dick noses, not uh, being unsafe, uh, but. Despite the fact that I had to wear a mask, I supported. And there was a, there was a local grocery store that I would buy stuff stuff from. They had a good selection of cheese that I would like to get stuff from. That was fine. 
and, and usually I would go there when I would pick up. Uh, there was a on the north shore of uh, Lake Pontchartrain in Louisiana, which is about maybe a, an hour away from me. Some there was a restaurant that serves gluten-free food that's delicious for my wife. Uh, so we would order from them when they would deliver down to the south shore uh, to be able to you know just make their living, and we would make sure to put in a nice big fat order to help support their business. Uh, the, I, the reason I talk on my uh, podcast. Uh, description where I, get, I have a buy me a cider link. It's not a link to the cider place, but it's instead of buy me a coffee, it's buy me a cider because we've been supporting another uh, local establishment of people that we want to continue. There's a, a person who makes macarons, a baker. She makes delicious macarons and other gluten-free goods as well, and we've been supporting her as well. So, so small businesses have survived during this because uh, individuals did support them. There was a there's a local guy that makes tamales that are they're delicious tamales, and I don't buy from him all the time, but some but I have bought from him before, and I would again. Um, let's see, what kind of liberal are you, Dan? Is your expertise about grads in the workforce? I mean, according to you, probably you would probably think that uh, I would be worrying about like you know your your uh, philosophy degrees and stuff like that, and making sure that the philosophy degree can you know get a good high paying job at Walmart or whatever. I don't know. Uh, arm in the air in a back and forth motion, Dan. Like wave my hands in the air and wave them like you just don't care like that? Or what What did you want to see? I don't know. Um, yes, I, d- I did notice that you were applying to bringing a boy into the chat. Uh, Sadie Sins, I live in a heavy college area. They charge ridiculously high costs. You can end up with four to five working students to an apartment. And there's that too. I mean, when you are a student, uh, you are able to use your financial aid to help pay for your rental costs. So when I was in school, you know, part of, I I applied for a certain amount of financial aid that I would need uh, for the course of the year. And that would not only include my tuition and books that I would get, but it would also include a a nice extra amount that would help me pay my rent over the course of the 12 month period that I would be um, in school for, you know, and I would be taking summer classes as well. Um, but I would want to make sure, but I would, I would use that myself. So I was basically, so a lot of my student loan debt that I have, a good big portion of that is paying rent, is rent that I paid to landlords when I wasn't in my first college. When my first college, the first year I was in my dorm, but of course, part of that money, again, you, you still have to pay to live in the dorm. So then I moved on to my fraternity house. And so for two years, I lived in the fraternity house. And then I moved and I shared an apartment with my girlfriend at the time. And so there was that rent. For a while, we paid rent and rent and rent and rent and rent. And, and it wasn't as much of a sticker shock to me as to having to pay rent. Why? Because we were both in school. And because we were both in school, we had student loans. And we could take the money from the student loans and pay it. So it wasn't necessarily visible to us that we're paying this money towards this rent. Why? Because, A, we're young and stupid. And, B, because... It was just money that was coming out of of the money that we would eventually have to maybe pay later. And what now, how many years after that, since, you know, I was, I was still a student, uh, maybe 2015. I don't know what, how old, how old am I now? Uh, 20 years ago, maybe uh, that money is still being gathering interest in my student loan account as I don't pay it because I'm taking full advantage of the fact that I can defer my payments. Um, poor people have to scrape up tons of debt to go to school. Again, one of the reasons is expensive. To be, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily poor. I'm not poor, but maybe I was, and, and I had some help going to college, but I still had to take some student loans. 
But when I decided to go to one school or the other school, all that other help I was getting went away. It went away. It disappeared. And I now had to pay for it all myself. So I now had to rack up large amounts of debt. I had to rack up large amounts of debt in order to be able to um, make it through my bachelor's degree. Then I continued on trying to go to grad school, thinking I might become a teacher one day. Katrina happened. That failed. That idea went out the window, and I wound up getting a job in the private sector. So now I'm sitting on this big old stack of debt. If you're rich, if you if you if you have the money to do so, you can just you know either either have the connection to be able to get the good scholarship. It's not necessarily the whatever. I had some, not all of my stuff were loans, but some of it was loans. Um, but yeah, and then at the end of the day, all that money adds up. And again, it's it's you know you don't necessarily have. To pay it off, I mean, if you're poor, you can actually get zero dollar interest payments based off of your, based off of your income, and and then or maybe pay, maybe pay five ten dollar payments every month, and that goes towards your monthly payments. But I'm gonna be paying on these student loans for a very long time unless that debt is disappeared. And then once that debt disappears, guess what happens? More money goes back into the economy. Um, that's maybe another subject for another day. Let's see, wages are low in our area because they would rather pay cheap college labor. Rent high, groceries high, wages low. Again, and if you're in a high college area, the rent could be high because you're using the student loan money to pay off the rent. They're using the student money, the loan to pay the groceries, and they don't have to pay people much money for wages because, again, these the people aren't necessarily needing too much of a job because they want to be able to have the uh, uh, they want to be able to have the uh, the flexibility. So they're like, okay, well, you have the flexibility with your classes, but we're going to pay you crap. Oh, bringing a boy is all the way back to mask wearing is going to destroy America. Are you okay for that? Um, I'm not okay with America being destroyed, but I don't. I reject your idea that mask wearing is going to destroy America. Um, I think it's the. I think it's the exact opposite. I think it is the people who reject the science. I think it is the people who don't understand 16 months into the pandemic why we wear masks. Because there are still people who are saying to this day, well, if masks work, wear one. That's not the point. The point is not to wear a mask to protect yourself. The point is to wear a mask to protect the people around you. Because if I happen to be infected with COVID-19 and I cough or sneeze or spit or whatever and or talk loudly or get animated and start yelling about something and yelling at somebody for having a dick nose, uh, start yelling at somebody, you know, you know, being annoyed or whatever. If I ha- if I have a mask on, all of the projectile saliva that might spew forth from my mouth will be caught by that mask and be less likely to infect you. That's why we wear masks. But this uh, this constant obsession with the idea that masks are some form of tyranny. You know, there was a conservative made some point. I think it was Wayne Allen Root or something made some argument that um, this is like 1938 and that masking and non-vaccinating is like the new like thing and, and that we're all the Jews. And I'm like, as a Jew, I, I, I take a big issue. I, Wayne Allen Root might be Jewish. I take big issue with the other people who try and, and take inconveniences and try and turn them into imp- oppression, especially when they try and turn inconveniences into the Holocaust. Like, oh, we have to uh, wear a mask at a grocery store. 
That's the same as being shunted off into a concentration camp, right? No, it's not the same at all. Um, and, you know, again, the people, there was somebody who was interviewed on the radio today that I heard that <clears throat> there's somebody that I heard on the radio that was basically like, who said, I would rather die than take the vaccine. What? You're afraid, if, are you, you're afraid of what the vaccine might do to you but you're afraid to you 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 would rather die than take the vaccine. That makes no sense whatsoever. Absolutely no sense whatsoever. Um, whatever. Was it? Why are Zeddy's three dogs? Why is the mask are all? Why are the masks all over the ground? Would you say that's bio waste? No. And look, that's one of the questions that I'm fine with about, you know, why the mask is on the ground and why, why does the mask not have to go into a receptacle that's for biohazard or whatever. You know, if you, that's a, that, that sounds like a legitimate question. Now, a lot of people ask it, so it's, to me it sounds like, well, somebody else is saying this and, you, and maybe you're repeating it somebody else, but I don't know. Maybe it's something you can't. I've come up with ideas that independently that other people have also independently come up with. The person who works at the pool place uh, where I get my chlorine and stuff for my pool. Uh, that person um, also asked me the same question is why would you not have to, you know, why, why you see a mask thrown on the ground? Well, first of all, I don't agree with littering. So you shouldn't throw your mask on the ground. You should throw your trash in the trash receptacle. But the amount of time that a mask is going to, uh, the amount of time that the virus is going to sit on the ground and be, and cause you to be infected is, is very slim. That I mean, you're not going to pick up a dirty mask on the ground, most likely. Most likely, if you if anybody picks it up, they're going to do it with some sort of like you know a, you know T Rex arm or some sort of stick or some other you know they're not going to touch it directly, um, and they're going to toss it in the trash. Um, they're not going to pick up somebody's used mask without any sort of hand protection. So there's that. Um, but like the same reason why you can if if you have a cold because a cold is a form of coronavirus, if I'm remembering this correctly. So if you have a cold, you know, you blow your nose. Let's say you're at work and you, and, you, and, you, and you blow your nose. Maybe you have a cold. Maybe you just have an allergy. I don't know. But you blow your nose and you just put it in a trash receptacle as normal. Why? Because it's not bio waste. It doesn't meet the, the standards of what some, of the infectiousness of something that might have to be to bio waste. Because the way that COVID spreads is, again, I talk, I cough, I sneeze, I spit whatever, and that those all go through the air. The droplets fly through the air laced with COVID, and they land on your eyes, in your ears, on your what, on whatever, many parts of your body. Now, maybe your mask prevents it from going into your mouth, going up your nose if you have your mask on properly, but if you don't have glasses on or a face shield, it might get in your eyes, it might get in your ears, might get on something else that you, you know, might cause you to get sick, and that's the way it's transmitted. So, a mask on the ground is not going to be spraying. It's not like you drop the mask on the ground and it just shoots up a plume of COVID-laced spit from landing on the ground. No, it's just sitting there. And most likely, if it's in the sun, the sun's going to eventually, you know, as Donald Trump tried to understand, the light shining down on COVID, on a COVID thing, will eventually kill the COVID and make it no longer active and no longer able to kill you or hurt you, or infect you. It's going to be dead, and it's not going to harm, affect you at all. So, most likely, as 
you know, but even if it's in a in a in an office in a trash bag, you're you're might not likely touching it, and it's not likely it's not going likely to infect you. That's why you can have um, the masks just you know not be thrown in a biohazard bin like you might throw in other things that might be you know you know somebody's blood you know on a needle you know that you you don't want to get their bloodborne viruses because that could be something that transmits and stays there longer than just what the covid would last for um the oregon had a runner in high school pass out while wearing her mask at a track meet right at the finish line okay was this an outdoor track meet? You know, because there are people who overly mask, and, I, and I'm not really one to pick on the overly maskers. Like, you see somebody driving in a car, and that car is not obviously an Uber or a Lyft uh, or some other sort of ride-sharing or other, you know, taxi, limousine-type service, um, and you see the person wearing the mask, and, and you're like, well, maybe that's not necessary. Although... When I was, you know, early on in the pandemic, I would want to touch my mask as little as possible. So when I would have to make two stops, I might go to Costco, put my mask on when I entered Costco, get Costco, leave, go drive to the next part with the mask on, go make the next stop, and then eventually then take the mask off out there. So, so there's that. So, so I'm not necessarily going to, but that's a, now looking back, I know it's probably unnecessary. I probably could just use some hand sanitizer, take the mask off, put the mask back on once I'm right at my location. There was no reason for me to wear the mask in the car normally. And I'll see people who don't, who wear their masks, but I'm not going to be mocking people who wear their masks too much. I'm more concerned with people who don't wear their masks enough. Um, now, I find it, you know, those outdoor, maybe it was hot. Maybe that was the reason, you know, but that could be a whole thing of a lot of the times, a lot of people, I'm not just going to say conservatives, there are conservatives that do it, but there are a lot of people who confuse causation and correlation. So, so person wore a mask, person passed out at the finish line. That's correlation. There's no proven causal relationship between two things. Even if the person ran other races without masks and didn't pass out just because they were wearing the mask, it doesn't necessarily mean that it was the mask that did it. There could have been other factors involved. But again, two people confuse causation with correlation just because two things happened in a related way. It's just like the people, oh, these 9,000 people died after taking the vaccine. Well, what did they die of? Oh, well, it must have been because of the vaccine, right? No, no, not at all. I think there were like 3 million shots in arms in Louisiana. And of, of the 3 million shots in the arms of the vaccine in Louisiana, eight had adverse effects, serious adverse effects. I mean, not like your standard, like, you know, my head hurts, I feel blah. But eight had adverse effects and none died. So... There are people who will say that, oh, well, these 9,000 died. It must be the vaccine. No, it not, doesn't must be the vaccine. And you're, you're, you're confusing causation and correlation. If she was a 15-year-old girl. She had a mask on. Enough said the mask is a life-care No, it's not the case. 
It's not the case. You know, you, you haven't proven her age is irrelevant. Her mask, her age, I'll say her age is likely not relevant. And there's no evidence that the mask was involved in why there was a passing out. Did she die? Uh, is, is her life crippled? No. There are people who probably can't wear masks because of some psychosomatic thing, some past PTSD thing that might cause them to not be able to have a mask and fine or whatever. If there's that, di- if you have a diagnosis of that, you know, maybe you make other arrangements around wearing a mask. And there are people who other people who can't wear a mask for other legitimate reasons, just like people who can't get vaccinated for other legitimate reasons. That's why the rest of us need to wear our masks and need to get vaccinated for those reasons, for to, to be able to herd immunity. But back to the reason why America is, is not going to fail because masking is going to fail because we have too many people who are not doing what they need to do in the pandemic. They're not getting vaccinated enough. If you would have had enough people vaccinating and gotten to that 70% or beyond that Biden was trying to hope for nationwide in every state, then you would see less transmission. If you see less transmission of the virus, you would then also see less you give you give the virus less chance less vectors of transmission you also give the virus less opportunities to mutate but because you're not people are fighting masks and because people are fighting social distancing because people are fighting the vaccine and taking the shots and getting to the point where we can get herd immunity via the shots um you're giving the the virus itself more opportunities to mutate more opportunities to make the vaccines less effective more opportunities to harm everybody else so that's why we need a mask up. That's why we need to wear a mask, get, get the vaccines. That's why, we, that's why we need to listen to experts to be able to stop the virus. And we had a good handle on it at some point, but then people got stupid. People, got, people, were, uh, people were told, you know, oh, well, if you're vaccinated, you don't have to wear a mask. So then everybody was like, oh, we're going to go to the honor system now. Yay. And, the, and I was like, well, I'm vaccinated, so I don't have to wear a mask mask. But then other people were like, well, no one can prove that I'm not vaccinated, so I'm going to go without my mask, too. And that's probably one of the leading causes of the fact that well, freedom causes the, the people to die. Let's see. She has a phobia about what the mask did for her. She says she may never run again. I, I, now, I don't understand why. I mean, I can understand that after the fact that maybe she had – maybe she was – Maybe it's the fact that her parents, maybe her parents put into her head so put this thing into her head that it was the mask that caused her to do it, that now she's afraid to wear a mask. Maybe that was maybe the problem is the people around her trying to convince her that it was the mask that that now she's afraid to wear the mask. Where maybe it wasn't the mask, maybe it was something else, and they were giving her bad information and now she's based her phobia off of bad information. So it's the people who are spreading incorrect information that are to blame for for a phobia that may or may not be based off of a truth. Um, boo-boo. <laughs> We're going to get to that comment in a second. Um, let's see. See, one, it is to... Well, I don't understand what, that, what it takes. The liberal panic attacks. I don't get that statement. Bringing a boy. I don't understand. Are you using voice text? Did you, did you do that? Let's see. Bias confirmation, they started out for Sadie Sins. Let's go back to the YouTube thing. Uh, Sadie Sins is bias confirmation. They started off afraid, so anything that confirms the fear of the vaccines confirms it in their mind. 
I'm sure the BS vaccine equals autism misinformation didn't help current fears. I'm sure it didn't. I'm sure there are people who, although I haven't heard, I haven't heard as much of that in my listening to, because I, you know, sacrifice my own sanity and I go listen to conservative talk shows. I haven't very much heard the vaccine vaccine cause autism argument during the COVID-19 things. It's, it's more about the government control and the other, the grander conspiracy than the specific uh, con- false conspiracy of that. But uh, I don't believe that we can actually say that. Uh, let's see if I can find this article. Oregon athlete. But one thing I don't understand, pass out math. Um, I don't understand the other thing is that why, if this is an outdoor activity, um, I don't, if this is an outdoor activity, why is it that, and we're about to probably have on YouTube, we may have some audio blaring uh, because of automatically playing audio might do it to me. Um, this article says, state revises mask mandate for outdoor athletics after Summit High School runner collapses at finish line. Uh, Maggie Williams, a junior on Summit High, broke a school record in the 800-meter last Thursday. Her moment of glory was somewhat overshadowed by a moment of concern. Williams passed out as she stumbled her way across the line. She and her coach say the mask is to blame, and now the Oregon Health Authority is updating guidelines, which is interesting in the fact that why is the Oregon Health Authority changing their guidelines simply based on what this coach and the student says instead of basing it on science, not anecdotes? That's interesting and weird. Um, the fall Williams referred to happened during the last seven meters of the race as she was about to finish. I felt like I wasn't going to be able to get a full breath multiple times at happening, not getting enough air, felt super dizzy, and then I passed out. Now, bringing a boy, says uh, she might not run again because of the uh, because of the um, of what happened. But if they've changed the advice, if they change the advice, and now she doesn't have to wear a mask, then why would she not run again? Um, so she ran two, two, 2.11 in Arizona without a mask on. Three seconds faster from my experience isn't going to cause the kids to hit the track. When you're in a mask, it certainly does, blah, blah, blah. Um, he's not letting his athletes run again with the current state of guidelines in place, blah, blah, blah. Uh, Oregon Health Authority regularly reviews COVID-19 guidance based on medical evidence. We are revising current guidance for the use of masks outdoors. Guidance will allow people to take off face coverings when competing in non-contact sports outdoors and maintaining at least six feet of distance from others and the other virus protective protocols. Um, so, and then here's the thing. It's like, I don't understand. It doesn't seem to make sense. Like, it, I think the guidelines are that you could probably wear masks outside, um, you know, during sporting events. Or if you're the ones competing in the sporting events, it doesn't make sense that they would so maybe they're being overly whatever. Let's see. She pushed herself harder than ever to break the record and blame the mask. Yes, that's what that, that's what ultimately happened. Now the coach seems to think that they that it wasn't the mask. That only three seconds worth of running um, didn't make her make break the mask. But you know, I mean, three seconds is a lot of time in in racing. I mean, I used to swim sports. I used to swim in high school. I mean, I wasn't always this lovely rotund body that you see sitting here before you. Uh, I used to be a smaller rotund individual who wore a Speedo in a pool. I'm sorry for the image. Um, but although some, some of my 
seem some of my friends at high school did say that I had a nice butt in high school. So oh, I don't know. Maybe that's true. But anyway, I used to think I was fat when I was 195 pounds. So, I mean, that 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 just goes to show the problems in this country about obesity and toxicity about that. But I mean, if if I tried to push myself to get three seconds taken off of my of my time swimming like the 500, which is 20 laps, 20 lengths of the pool, I might very well have passed out, and I would have been wearing a mask because I would have been in the pool. So. I don't know. It, 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 over, overexerting yourself can cause you to pass out. Go, trying too hard can cause you to pass out. It's trying to shave three, three seconds off of the 800 might cause a student to pass out mask or without mask. And there's really no way for us to know unless we went to Earth 2, where on Earth 2, this same athlete tried to do the same thing. Uh, this time without a mask, to see under the exact same situation, would she have also passed out? Maybe she would have. Maybe she wouldn't have. I think that this is the case of perhaps the Oregon State rules being a little bit overly strict. And I don't necessarily mind overly strictness. It's better to be too cautious than not cautious enough. But on a track, running outside, it, it probably was an unnecessary guidelines and and they probably based their real decision off of that than off of what the coach said um, because I have a big problem with with arguing that that was saying oh well one coach said he thinks it's the mask and therefore and if, if they don't have to wear a mask again guess I don't think uh, I don't think she's gonna have a problem with not running again you see then these types of things are happening that's where they change policy not based on science well they changed the policy to be more lax based off of potentially something that wasn't scientific, but the science, but, but they're always changing their policy. And and it is based on science typically because they get the information uh, because they collect their data and they change. And that's one of the problems in this whole pandemic is that conservatives, many conservatives will make the argument that, uh, well, you can't trust what Fauci said, whatever, because Fauci said X on day one and Y on day 60. Well, Fauci knew certain things on day one and made a decision based on the collection of facts that Fauci knew on day one. Uh, On day 60, there was more facts that were collected, more evidence that was collected, more data that was presented, and they now knew more information and could now make a better, more informed decision. Let's see. Sadie Sins, by having a movement that was anti-science and anti-government trust in relation to vaccines before COVID, though the focus is in autism, I suggest the groundwork created the curve. Yes, you are absolutely right. The groundwork that was done to put distrust into vaccines to perpetuate that distrust, even if it's not a distrust specifically in a vaccine, this vaccine causing autism, um, maybe they, they probably know they pro- at, at their very, very root level of this, they probably know that they couldn't make the argument these cause autism, even though they shouldn't be making the argument that the others cause autism. But they probably know that if they made the argument these cause autism, that the, they would be like, There's, you have no proof of that. So instead they had to make wild things like this causes, they're putting 5G in our bodies, or, or we don't know enough about the vaccine, or, or you're, the, you're a science experiment. You're a science experiment. Well, I might be a science experiment because I took part in the Novavax vaccine trial. So I am somebody who chose to be part of a clinical trial, but y'all aren't in a clinical trial. The clinical trials for 
regular use of a, of a of the vaccine has already been done. They did the safety ver- trial. They did the efficacy trial. It showed to be eff- have efficacy against COVID-19, and that's why they gave the emergency use authorization because, and, and not because it's, it's not raised because there's, you have to do certain steps to be able to get the full authorization, the full approval of the FDA. Then Ox, when the king asked Michelangelo to prove his worth as an artist, he drew a perfect circle. Therefore, round is the perfect shape. Therefore, Dan, you are in perfect shape. Yes. Uh, although I am trying to lose a little bit of weight. I am I'm back on the counting of the calories and hopefully uh, um, we'll be, I'm tracking it via photo and via things so we can see how much weight I lose again. Um, reduce my calories again. But um, when everybody says, you know, don't you want to be in shape? I'm like, I am in shape. I'm round. Round's the shape. I'm in shape. There you go. <laughs> That's part of my, you know. But but to go back to the my point that I make a, a little bit every once in a while about the whole thing about, you know, the toxicity about fat shaming or whatever, one of the reasons that a lot of people my size will joke about uh, their weight and joke about their being fat and make self-deprecating jokes is because it's a way of using it as a shield of armor so that nobody can use it to hurt you. Um, they still will. If you've seen my TikTok videos, you, you often see I'll make a video about why it's important to mask or what the issues I'm having with schools pertaining to COVID and masking and social distancing. And there'll, there'll always be one that's like, <laughs> you're quiet. <laughs> so um, a moment ago, you said they're changing policy based on one incident. I said, I, I, it's possible that they changed the policy on one incident. It's possible that the one incident made them look at their data and reconsider the uh, recommendations. I don't necessarily believe. I, I have. I find it hard to believe that the individuals, that the people in the organ, um, you know, the decision to make the people in charge of making those decisions, find it very hard to believe that those people took the words of one athlete and one coach to absolutely change. They probably also looked at other facts and figures and consulted with other experts and consulted with the CDC. I mean, maybe they did. Maybe, maybe there was. Maybe that's the exception of the rule. But the vast majority of the time, just because even if they did just base their change off of, well, this girl passed out, so let's go ahead and change the rules. Even if they did do that, that's rare, and that's 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 the exception, not the rule. The rule is that they are going to collect data. They're going to get information, and maybe that's part of the reason why. Uh, to go all the way back to the beginning. Maybe that's one of the reasons why the school boards are so reluctant to go back to virtual after saying, you know, well, look, we managed to do well in the schools um, and not have transmission to schools last year. This is the data that we have. We don't have the data on what in-school transmission looks like with the Delta variant. So therefore, we're going to base our, we're not going to make a decision off of that based off of. You know, we're not going to make it, we're not going to assume that it's going to be harmful to kids. We're, go, we're going to base a decision based off of what we collected previously and then change our minds if it shows that this is spreading throughout the schools. But to me, that's dangerous. That is a dangerous proposition to make because what you're saying is you are now, you are now saying you're allowing your kids to be the guinea pigs, to be the experiment, to say, we're going to look at, we're going to see how this going back to school affects children under 12 specifically who can't be vaccinated yet. And we're going to see how our 
policies that work, how it was, how that seemed to work last year, that seemed to work in the last school year, at the, especially last spring, um, to, to protect the transmission. We didn't have the Orleans Parish School Board that you know they, they didn't see a lot of student to student transmissions. What they more saw was there was exposures to kids, but it was coming from outside the school. They didn't see that. So therefore, they're basing that decision on. But the problem there is they're basing that decision off of April 2021 20, data when we now have a new variant. We we are seeing the results of what's happening to kids based off of their interactions outside of schools. That they're catching it from their families. That they're catching it from the summer camps that they went to. That they're catching it from all these other things that they're doing. And why? So why do we? Why are we? Why are we then trying to risk our kids' lives to bring a full back, full circle? Why are we trying to risk our kids' lives to make a point to try to again? To, and, and you always have to question whether or not it comes down to money. Is it the money that's causing them to do it? Is it something else? Is it their political reputations? Are they are they afraid that if they go back, if they say we must go back to virtual, or we have to have Maybe they're afraid if they say we must all be virtual, then the parents are going to revolt because some parents can't afford to do it, which is understandable because we need to, because I don't think there's those programs, there might not be those programs in place to be able to help those parents who can't do it. I mean, I have a, we have a family friend with a kid. She's a single mom. She is unlikely to be, she works as a nurse too. She's likely unable to be able to handle distance learning with her kid. So she likely would probably not opt for an option. But again, as I said earlier in the show, if we were to provide kids with an option of doing that, and if parents can opt in or not, and the ones that opt in get to opt in, the ones that don't opt in get to go back to school like, like normal, but you have less, you'll have less kids in the school building, so it'll be easier to socially distance, and you'll be able to, I guess, recreate the situation back in April. And you'll see if there's more spread like April. But we, don't, we, we didn't have a situation back in April with full enrollment. It's another thing. We didn't have that situation. So, so what they're basing on, what they're basing their information off, is not a perfect analogy. Um, let's see. Sadie Sins, society is a poor judge of human value. Weight shouldn't mean anything about a person. Granted, although society does tend to make things, uh, maybe I should do a, a show pertaining just a full-out discussion of fat shaming and not just fat shaming, but living life as a fat person in America to kind of explain the problems that exist, that the problems that fat people do have to deal with. I mean, because there is skinny shaming too, and skinny shaming is wrong. Um, but even even those people that are skinny shamed, and there you can you can have psychological problems from being skinny shamed. You can be you can be you can you have your you know not just more than just your feelings hurt. You could you know it, it can affect people just as much as fat shaming can. But there there are other real world things that skinny people deal with that fat people don't deal with um, or that skinny people don't deal with that fat people do deal with. Um, and maybe I could have a whole show on that and maybe have a discussion of that and kind of go through. So maybe give people the whole you know, kind of the understanding of, of what uh, somebody person who is my size, who is labeled morbidly obese, uh, what person my size does have to go through just to making decisions on travel, making decisions on, you know, you know, where if, if, if we're not in COVID, about what amusement parks running, what fun activities I can do, what I have to put up with when I go to a restaurant. That could be that might that might be a good episode either for the podcast or the mini cast. I don't know. I might want some more interaction on that 
so it might not be a mini cast thing. Um, but did the rent relief? I think the rent. Sadie says, did the rent relief go through? I think the rent relief was already there. It's just a matter of the states acting on it. I think the rent relief was already. It's already passed. I think. I think it's something that's already in existence that um, that the states need to stop dilly dallying and need to need to make sure that money makes its way to whomever it needs to go to. Now I have. I should have asked one of my more progressive friends, who is also a landlord, to come on the show and discuss his. His, maybe, maybe that'll be part three. Um, rent free or die hard. <laughs> I'll name the show. Uh, is, is rent theft three? Rent free or die hard? <laughs> um, I just go. I'll, you know, change my uh, my my movie my show titles based off of movie references. Uh, but maybe I'll have him on to discuss his rental thing because he posted something earlier today that was saying that instead of the money going to the the people who are renting. They should go to directly to the landlords to be able to help pay off those, you know, past debts or whatever, or the past past due rent that's still due. It's just they can't be evicted because they hadn't paid it yet, um, which is potentially reasonable um, if the person is, you know, needing the rental relief. You know, it's probably something that you know potentially the landlord and the and the and the renter should work on together, but. There's often such a hostile relationship between um, the landlord and the lessee or whatever that you're not going to potentially have the desire to work together on these issues. And, of course, the renter is probably like, well, if I'm going to get this rent assistance, I'm going to pay it out, and I'm going to pay what I can, and then I'm also going to use it to help me pay my other bills. And the landlord is like, well, no, you have to pay me my past due rent and whatever. So there's a lot of issues. That, that come up with you know, how that is paid. And maybe that's one of the things that is causing the, to gum up the works. Causing, um, I'm very, maybe I will be, um, maybe I will do, a, do, maybe, I don't know if it'll be next week or not, but maybe I will go ahead and do um, an episode on um, fat shaming and living life as an obese man in America. Um, inviting maybe other people who might want to come share their experiences is what it's like to be uh, large uh, in this country. Um, and there's there's even there's 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 some discussion about where there's gendered issues as well as it pertains to it. Although I still haven't worked my way through those issues because um, one of my friends who is an overweight woman was trying to make a point about it. I just wasn't seeing it. And I wasn't understanding it, and I still don't understand it, so I'm going to have to try and make a better opportunity to try and understand it without it becoming a let's butt our heads against each other and trying to, you know, work this out because it just didn't seem logical to me. But sometimes all I need to do is see it from a different point of view for it to seem logical to me. Or maybe it won't be logical. Maybe maybe I'll make the point that proves my case as to why it's it's, it's not necessarily the the gendered issue that that they think it is. But we'll see. I don't know. Um, but well, that that'll be one thing. You know, it's it's it can be. I, I, I'm the type of person where maybe like 95 to nine, 95 plus percent of the time, I am not like thinking about my weight. I'm not like depressed about my weight, or I'm joking about my weight just because I like to joke about everything. Um, and then there's the like the little percent chance where it's just. I'm frustrated about things that happen. And honestly, because of the pandemic, 
because we haven't got to go much anywhere because of all that it, I, I've had less weight issues uh, but there's still issues that exist um, so I think at some point um, maybe next week I'll make that the topic of discussion um, not set on that next week being it yet um, but uh, it's it, there's a at least a 50-50 shot that that will be the topic of the show next week, unless I come up, unless there's something else more pressing that comes up. And then maybe either I may, but I think I'd rather it be live because I think I'd rather have people have the ability to ask questions or comments or, or see what they want more information on. I want to do like an open reveal on my body size and, and, and experiences and maybe try and find other people who want to share their experiences as well. Anyway, so we did manage to go, you know, I went from the start of the show of the schools of COVID and school thing. I did was able to come full back around and, and finish it and, and be able to tie everything up in a nice little bow. Um, and then I guess a little icing on the cake is the, is the mm, cake. Uh, the icing on the cake is the, uh, is the fat shaming thing. I mean, the teaser for the potential next episode, but I am going to go ahead and call this the end to this week's episode of Liberal Day and Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. Uh, we will be back next week, same time, 8 p.m. Central, blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan, and on YouTube. And it does appear that my YouTube stream was perfect the entire time, most likely. So, shout out. Thank you, Bringing a Boy, for joining us at the Blog Talk Radio chat. Thank you, everybody else. Sadie Sins, the Three Dogs, Deminoff, shout out to you, everybody, for joining us. If you haven't subscribed to my channel yet, please make sure to do so here on YouTube. Uh, follow me on all the other social medias. Go to liberaldan.com to find all that. Until next week, this is Dan Zimmerman with Liberal Dan Radio. On to the left, that's right. Down here in Liberal Band's top proceeding, we got some steals on Harley Davidson's today. Turns out holding Sturgis wasn't that bright of an idea. But while festival goers pass away, we're passing on the savings to you. All our Harleys come freshly sanitized for your riding comfort. And while supplies last, we're throwing in some antibacterial gel and a 12-pack of two-ply, just in case the stores run out again. So come on down to Liberal Band's top proceeding and get you a hog today. Liberal Band's top proceeding is a fictional establishment, and we don't know what the death toll of Sturgis will be.